great face and he goes by the name of Ebenezer Good. His friends call him Ezer and he is the main geezer and he vibe up the place like no other man could. Howdy everyone and welcome to the first Pura Pura Podcast episode of 2018 as uh, we present the Pura Pura Podcasters Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, I am uh, George Thompson and with me as always uh, David Forrest. Oh, fucking howdy, that's a new one. Hello everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, uh, Daniel would be joining us, but um, we received the following communique from him about um, an hour ago when we were trying to ascertain his location and it said... Hey, sorry, I had my birthday due last night, fair enough, and I've missed all this. I'm literally on a sofa in a house I don't recognise, and I really need a piss. Probably going to have to miss this. So I don't know how long he's planning to be pissing for. I mean, I'm sure he drunk a lot, but surely you can get all of it out of your system in at least a minute. I mean, I was hoping it would like, escape us from the house he doesn't recognise and just get some random, like, uh, drug heads on to discuss um, the IGWGP Junior Tag Match. Right? I'll, have, I'll have you know that the moles of the people that Daniel ha- ha- hangs out with in Vayakas are completely beyond reproach. <laughs> Absolutely true. But what do you mean, George? He's here. Hello, everybody. Speaking of people whose uh, actions are beyond reproach, George, how are you feeling after the Christmas is? <laughs> I've I uh, I just about uh, just about recovered. Um, I was fine at work the next day, um, but my my job is very easy and requires minimal brain power. <laughs> so um, I basically could have done the old Homer Simpson trick of just getting some glasses with like eyes painted on them. I and, worked uh, hard for the money, so hard <laughs> for the money. So yeah, I was uh, feeling all right, and uh, yeah, had a, a lovely uh, Christmas and New Year. And um, yeah, see, seeing in uh, seeing in the New Year with uh, basically me and one mate. Playing FIFA 18 and uh, Crash Bandicoot, which is very difficult, and uh, Pandemic, and uh, watching old episodes of The Inbetweeners with my parents. Smashing. Um, yes. Good stuff. How did you um, spend the year, David? Oh, uh, I did. I went to my in-laws. I watched only an excuse. Uh, there was a sketch where some Rangers fans vaped and accidentally played the sash. Um, <laughs> that was really the only. That was the highlight. Um, yeah, I, I did nothing at New Year's. Um, New Year's is shit anyway, to be honest. Oh, like uh, On Boxing Day, I spent the entire day in the house. I didn't leave. I watched Spice World, the movie, which <laughs> amazingly is not the first time I've seen it, because I actually went to see it in the cinema. It's a good film. I'll have Rich- no Richard brain. E. Grant is the villain, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's a good, Swaziland's he's a greatest export. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, I would like to give a shout-out to... Um, Montserrat's greatest export, Lyle Taylor, who is playing against Tottenham for ASC Wimbledon today. Former pistol legend, Lyle Taylor. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, I mean, we all know that the the real start of the year is January the 4th. So here it is, Wrestle (laughs) Kingdom. Everybody's having fun. Oh, man. I, I I meant to tweet that on January the 4th, but by the time I went to do it, I didn't want to go on Twitter. To avoid to get spoilers because obviously like I didn't wake up at half six in the morning so I, I just didn't do it so there we go <laughs> yeah I was I was exa- I was exactly the same because I last year I, I was able to watch it live because I wasn't working in nine to five it was like oh shit I've got to go I've got to go to work and then like not having a smartphone like. I couldn't particularly go on Twitter, so that was fine because I avoided all spoilers. And um, so this is a very uh, last-minute thing. Um, uh, Sarah and I got invited round the house of uh, fellow maintainers, Harvey and Cassie. Uh, thank you very much for having us, guys, if you're listening, um, for a sort of uh, viewing party. And uh, so they were like, OK, we'll start at 7, so we've got another couple of guys coming around. It's like, 
Hmm, that seems that doesn't <laughs> seem early enough to me. It's when you saw the run time, isn't it? Because when I <laughs> saw the run time at quarter to seven, it was six forty-five. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, like six hours and forty-five minutes. I was like, I was fine because I, I was like, okay, well, there's going to be like the sort of pre-show where there's waiting for things to happen, and then there's going to be like post show press conferences and all that shit but all in all it was still a pretty meaty show so we didn't get home until uh just after one yeah i finished it at one i um locked myself in my bedroom because uh, my, <laughs> my wife has no interest in japanese wrestling whatsoever um, and she does not want to watch wrestle kingdom with me so i was like i'll i'll sit in the bedroom and watch on njpw world on her fire stick oh lovely so i i literally came in from work went to bed and put on Wrestle Kingdom at quarter to seven. At twelve, my wife couldn't come through because I was still watching this, and our television is really loud. So at one, it's still too loud for her. So at one volume, it's still too loud. So I was like, yeah, I, I don't. It's, it's might finish before one, and then like about half twelve, quarter to one, she was going. She went to the toilet and I was, don't worry, it'll be finished. She's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm coming to bed. And I was like, all right then. Trying to watch the last like, 15, 20 minutes of Makada Naito. That this is this is going to be a theme, um, through my um discussion of this show. Um, you may notice um a recurring uh, statement that comes with this show, um, but. We'll we'll just get into it because I mean yeah it would be a bit it would be a bit throwing stones in glass houses if we were to complain about a show being too long and then <laughs> yes. half hours discussing it that is true I mean we're gonna keep it we're gonna try and keep it brisk because uh, like our WrestleMania review this is the reason we're doing Wrestle Kingdom we thought look we're ostensibly a poor podcast we can't uh, you know we can't do WrestleMania and not do Wrestle Kingdom exactly um, but we well, like we haven't got any notes in front of us because. Um, our attitude is the same as it was for WrestleMania. You know, I'm not taking notes when I'm like watching it with some friends because that would be deeply sad. But also, I'm not watching it twice because it's really, really long. So any recollections we have will be um, will be half half formed things. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll find it entertaining. So, yes. um, so what match is going to kick us off, David? I understand you have some sort of uh, challenge for me associated with this yes. one. Yes. So uh, first up is a New Japan Ramble. That is its name. Mm-hmm. It's not the Rumble. It's the Ramble. Uh, all caps um, and in this match there was 20 competitors uh, I'm going to list 19 of them and you have to guess right. the other one. Oh and god okay the, the reason I'm giving you that just one is because I literally sat for six and a half hours tearing my hair out as to who this person was <laughs> okay so, we have Bushy mm-hmm. Chase Owens yeah. Cheeseburger David yeah. Finlay Delirious yeah. Mm-hmm. El Desperado, Hiroyoshi yeah. Tenzan, yeah. Jushin Thunder Liger, yeah. Katsuya Kitamura, Leo yeah. Tonga, mm-hmm. Manabu Nakanishi, Satoshi Kojima, Takamichinoku, Tiger Mask, Toa Hanari, Yoshihashi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, y- Yuji Nagata, Yujiro Takahashi, and Masahito Kakihara. I've named 19 people. Oh, obviously, Peter was out with Yujiro Takahashi. Shout out to Peter. Um, but... Can you name the other person? I can actually, because I, I he turned up, but I was like, literally, who the fuck are you? Who is yeah. this? Who is this giant? I spent twenty who is minutes. This giant marble. Genuinely, it was Brodus Clay. I honestly <laughs> thought it was Brodus Clay for 
20 minutes. I was like, why why is Brodus Clay in the in the Rumble? Like what what's happening here? I, I, I quite like him. I think he'd be really great. David, did him. you see anyone did you see anyone's mamas being called? No, no no mamas being called. Um Okay, so this the mystery man's name is I believe Gino Gambino. Do you know his nickname? No. Mr. Juicy Gino Gambino. <laughs> yeah. Who is who is the thirteenth member of the Bullet Club? Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> like, uh, basically, Fally went on a randan to New Zealand, and there was a show in New Zealand, and there was a guy from Australia, and maybe Australia, New Zealand, one of the Oceanic nations, not one of the cool ones like Tonga or Samoa or something like mm-hmm. that, but like Australia or New Zealand. He went to a show there, and Gino Gambino, Mister Jesse himself, was there, and. Uh, Fally decided that um, he would become a new member of the Bullet Club. Despite the fact he has never appeared in New Japan before this, this is his first ever time in New Japan. Don't even think he appeared in New Year's Dash, to be honest. I think he uh, literally turned up to yeah. get chucked out in the Ramble. Was I mean, this was an absolute quandary for myself. This man, that's Gino Gambino, the absolute like the 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 anonymous man. Like, why was he here? Like, I, can I get I, in the I, Ramble I, next year? I thought he was quite good actually. Like um he did a couple of like of uh, flare flops which I find quite yeah. amusing. Like he seems a seen a pretty solid big guy. I bet he has a great cannonball. No, yeah, like um yeah, absolutely. But Yeah, it's just his inclusion was completely baffling. Like I mean like and I was thinking about this. Who who would you have rather had oh well that was the other one was Chase Owens, right? Chase Owens, the marathon man who started at first and got knocked out like uh, like uh, like number thirteen, like he was he was eliminating tons of people, and I will full disclosure explain. I hate Chase Owens because he's the most boring white man I have ever seen in wrestling. He does nothing whatsoever, and I was like, why Chase Owens? What what was the thought process behind giving Chase Owens any sort of rub? Like. Should have been yeah, chucked out yeah. first, or by Nagata at like number three, like just. I can think of like at least three wrestlers whose last name is Owens who are better than him. Leah, Leah <laughs> and Casey and Kevin. Yes. And yeah, uh, there's probably someone from the territory days. The, I mean, the best part of his act, because uh, he, he I, I think he first came over when he was the NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion, for what that's worth, and um, he had <laughs> Bruce Thorpdess with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you're gonna say. Oh my God, those interminable NWA matches. The only good one was when Jushin Liger fought El Desperado on New Year's Dash. That's it. Oh, and he Do fought we... Tiger Mask as well. Jushin Liger's NWA champion. Yeah, uh, light heavyweight champion. But my God, Bruce Farp. I remember Tenzan having a weirdly good match with uh, Rob Conway. Just look what? at him. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, the the best the best thing Bruce Tharp ever did because like he is legitimately a lawyer that's his job and uh, I remember him uh, posting like on Twitter uh, like this letter he had written um, complaining about the refereeing decision for one of the NWA title matches and it said like from the law offices of Bruce Tharp Esquire <laughs> and and also like referred to himself as National Wrestling Alliance Shacho, meaning chairman, <laughs> despite the fact he had used no other words of Japanese in the entire letter. <laughs> Amazing. Oh man. He was he was he was great. I can't I can't have missed him. I, I think Bruce Fart should have been in the Ramble. 
<laughs> he not can... doing much. He sold it to Billy Corgan. <laughs> I was going to say he can he can take a bump. Now, if he sold it to Billy Billy Corgan, and this means whenever um, Jimmy Chamberlain's been fired for the Smashing Pumpkins or done too much smack, then he gets to be the drummer. That's how it works. Yeah, I, I, I exactly. Well, I think we should have definitely had former NWA champion Tom Strong in here. <laughs> uh, to the virtual pros who just refer to him as former NWA champ Tom Strong in all caps all the time, Tom's... and it it warms my heart every single time. <laughs> so what um what what do we think of this? Like the thing is, I was explaining to uh, people at the viewing party I was at who have never seen the Rambo. The secret to the Rambo is it is always shit. Like <laughs> there has rarely been a good battle royal in the history of Japanese wrestling. No, because. Basically, it's this weird, wacky thing where you can never leave your feet because you can lose by pinfall or submission. So the the instant you take a back bump, like six young lions will just swarm you. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically like locusts. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Um, and I, mean, uh, I I I, see, I love the ramble, despite the fact it's like it's like Andorra, right? They are shit. In like, every ostensible way, they're absolute bollocks. But I still love them. Like, yeah, like the Rambo, it's it is what it is. I was I was kind of hoping for a bit better surprises. Uh, I mean, who did we have this year that apart from obviously the winner that we'll get to? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else of note. No, there weren't any re- returning legends. Usually, like you, you. Well, I mean, Kabuki's retired now. He was always in there. But you're usually good for a um. Shiro Koshinaka or oh, yeah. um, like where's where's my arse bumps? Um, Fujiwara was often in there. We had Scott Norton last year. Exactly. Like, Human fridge. <laughs> so like um we yeah we didn't get much in the way of uh, returning legends. The, the only legends that we had were like people who were already on the roster. Sarah was so put out that uh, that Liger oh, um, got oh, pinned because like I think a lot of people had him pegged for a winner. And before you say like. Oh, they wouldn't have a junior heavyweight win the New Japan Rumbo. Need I remind you that fucking Jado won it two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but has it just been the three Rambles? It's just been oh, it's been Jada, Nagata, and um, Elgin. Is that is that right? Like yeah, Jado and this won the one, first so ever one. No, no, it was Sorry? Nagata, then Jado, then Elgin, and oh, then the winner of like, uh, a, this one. A, um, a the winner of this one did. Uh, it did warm my heart because actually I thought what it was going to be. Because uh, Tenzan and Kojima um, were entered quite late, mm. so I thought they might be the final two, and we'll have this face-off between them, and it'd be this cool nostalgic thing. Uh, instead, we got um, well, second place in this was uh, Cheeseburger, who I saw wow. I saw on Twitter put it. Imagine being Cheeseburger. Like, what do you do? I I, I wrestle on the uh, once a year on the second biggest uh, wrestling show of the year and get a huge pop. I don't really do much else to be honest. <laughs> I I mean like I love him. I mean he was sitting there, um, he was chopping away at Kojima for like a good ten minutes. <laughs> yes. Like with no reply, and just Kojima was nonplussed. He was just like, what is going on? Absolutely no pain. And I love his gimmick that every move he hits does not hurt, and it's really yeah. really funny. He's just um, a, a weedy little man. I love that he gets booked at Wrestle Kingdom every year because Jushin Liger finds him funny. And that gets him booked. He is basically the Deator of New Japan. He really is. I mean, I thought he was gonna go. I thought he was gonna go all the way. Like actually, even better than the, the Kojima spot from this one is two years ago. Like him and Kojima teamed up, and Kojima was holding the, uh, holding someone, and was like to Cheeseburger, "Hey, you do the like 
rapid fire chops that I do. And he did. And then, and obviously none of them had any impact. And then Kojima, who has great facial expressions usually, just fixed him with this look of utter disgust. <laughs> and then just walked off. But um, Cheeseburger didn't win. The uh, the winner was um, uh, Masahito Kakahara, um, who you might remember from our UWFI run. Well, I, I was going to mention this. 22 yeah. years to the day from the day he got washed by Ricky Chosha. Oh my god, like, of course! Was, like, because that was on the January the 4th. 22 years to the day. So sorry, David, how many, how many years? 22. 22! <laughs> if you want to find out more about this, episode 6, I believe it is, of New Japan versus UW5. I believe it is episode 6, and... Uh, Episode 5 also includes uh, one of his matches where he uh, wrestled um, Kensuke, allegedly, Sasaki. <laughs> uh, where Kensuke Sasaki's body failed him in terms of no selling by accidentally busting him open. <laughs> yeah, that was um, amazing. Do, do you know uh, the story I, I, about Kakihara, though? Um, I know he... Well, he, he got, he got uh, cancer, didn't he? Um, yeah, he had a, a lymphoma. Jesus. And... Um, yeah, like, it was really bad. Noted maintainer as well, the lonely luchador, um, mm. a good friend of ours, Ainsley. He was the one who, sh- who showed me Kakihara had a um, a UWFI reunion show. Oh, like, uh, 2016, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, it was, it was last year, 2017, and uh, it was for him, for his like, treatment for like, lymphoma, because obviously, again, we must stress this, in the UK, uh, we don't have to pay for this sort of treatment, but in Japan, you do. Mm. And he had a, a a fundraiser where he faced uh, Fujiwara. Fujiwara, and it was like that Germany San Marino thirteen nil game, where like Kakihara tried a thing and it failed, and Fujiwara scored a point. I mean, he got absolutely washed, but he he, he was so over just purely because he was wrestling again. I I I love that. I love that in Japan. It's like oh, you've got a guy who's been like. Uh, stricken by cancer. Are we gonna like give him some sort of inspiring, uh, inspiring combat spots? No, it's like it's like you know when uh, Kenta Kabashi had his uh, uh, return match from kidney cancer in two thousand seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he had like one kidney left. It's like, so is he gonna have an inspiring uh, combat? Video? No, he's gonna jump to Misawa like uh, <laughs> as he so often did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, it was really nice to see him. He was wearing a uh, I don't know if you noticed he was wearing a uh, Sakuraba uh, shirt. Yes, I don't know. Which uh, uh, just said uh, water, and I'm very glad actually for his sake that Liger had already been eliminated because, as we know, Thunder types are good against water types. Badumtesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he 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 looked uh, he looked uh, I don't know he looked as sort of muscular as he was, which is yeah fair enough because he he did have lymphoma. Um, still looked good with all his uh, all his kicks. I, I don't think he was, it was as apparent on the Japanese. Did you watch the Japanese feed? I take it. No, we watched the watched the English feed. All oh, right, I, I watched the English feed, but um, yeah, you had like a a, a tribute to Yoshido Takayama. Oh uh, yeah, we, no, we did catch that because he put on the t-shirt, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to mention this just because uh, it has finished now. Yeah, um, yeah. We mentioned about the Takayama fund before. Um, did you hear how much they raised? Their it was goal about, was a thousand. It was seven thousand seven hundred dollars. Yeah, it was over over seven and a half grand. Um, it was about seven hundred and seventy-five thousand yen, and they gave it to Minoru Suzuki. There's a picture of him on on uh, Twitter and Facebook of Minoru Suzuki fresh from his number one straight into the wood cut. Um, 
getting a check getting a check for like or get no it was um it was actually like um an envelope full of money um not yeah. the first time that I knew Japan style been given an envelope full of money backstage um allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. um yeah so like um and yeah he was he was practically teary he was more I don't think he was teary about losing his hair I don't think he gave a fuck about that it was just no. you know overwhelmed with emotion I but, mean yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Eric and Morton all the uh, all the, the real, real hero guys because like. I mean, wrestling is a fandom. It's got some wrong-uns in it, like to <laughs> to say the least. It has got some proper bad eggs. But and as the days go by, <laughs> yeah, you see more and more of those bad eggs. <laughs> exactly, but um, you know, it's when the wrestling community occasionally does come together for something great like this. Like it, it really is quite touching and a proof of like, hey, sometimes human beings can uh, get together collectively and actually be a force for good rather than reinforcing each other's worst instincts. So, uh, you know, and like that was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, the the emotional import of the New Japan Rambo much higher this year than it has been previously. Yeah, so, yeah and that's the way it should stuff. be used. It should be given to somebody coming around from cancer or given to a legend who's not going to get anything else. Something like that. Yeah, that's what it's for. It's not for, um, you know, like David Finley to win. So, although we'll get to David Finley later because I have a point to make about okay. him as well. well but, I mean, um, that, was, that, was the thing, that was the thing because someone asked uh, at the party, uh, like, what, what, do you, what do you win if you uh, if you win the uh, New Japan moment? Like, nothing. No, <laughs> like, pride. <laughs> There's there's nothing there's nothing at stake at all. Not even a match for the never open weight title. No, not even a novelty check. I mean, I I I, I mean, I'd put it over the edge if it was a novelty check. There's one thing I'd wrestling needs more of: it's giant novelty checks. Yeah, and like your Japan are usually quite good with novelty checks, but um, yeah, not in this yeah. instance. Yeah. So um, getting on to the show, uh, the show proper. Hard on the pun. Uh, indeed, um, <laughs> we uh, opened with. Uh, as it is generally the case at Wrestle Kingdom and actually has been for virtually every Wrestle Kingdom I can ever uh, remember watching except for that time Bob Sapp turned up in the opener. Uh, we had yes. a uh, match for the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Uh, very restrained this year in keeping it to uh, two teams because it's usually mm-hmm. four. Um, so what we had was the um, team of uh, Sho and Yo, a.k.a. Uh, Shotanaka and Yohei Kumatsu, uh, Rapongi 3K, um, defending against the inevitable uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Like, I'm really sad that Daniel isn't here, purely for this match and, well, for another match later on. Um, as you may have noticed in this Christmas episode, um, Daniel hates the Young Bucks uh, with an avowed passion, with the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> there is lots of valid criticisms towards the Young Bucks. I'm not one of them um, who kind of subscribes to that theory. Um, I, I really enjoyed them. But the Young Bucks in New Japan in junior heavyweight tag matches in 2017, they've been a different beast from anywhere else. They they totally have a different game plan when it comes to these sort of matches um, as opposed to anywhere else. They're not spot fests. Um, they've had various really, really good matches. They're not just your standard Young Bucks matches. On one hand... I thought this was a really, really good match from the Young Bucks and, and Roppongi uh, 3K. Um, on the other hand, I did have several flaws with it, which mm-hmm. brought it down for me. Um, it was really nice to see the Young Bucks basically doing the old tag team, cutting off the partner, um, yeah. working yeah. it back. However, they washed Roppongi 3K in this match. Yeah. They, they totally rinsed him. Roppongi 3K got fuck all in this match and it really shouldn't have been that way like 
yeah, you can do a cut off of a tag team match. You cut off the partner uh, thing. It's the, the oldest trick in the book, but they cut them off for so long that by the end, when they got the tag, I'm like, you know, they, they've already been beaten down so much. And as well as that, they, got, they, they took out the illegal partner too much as well, where like, they just totally destroyed them, where even if they got the hot tag, I didn't believe that they were going to win. And it, 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 there is no other way to put this. This was fucking 18 minutes long. 18 yeah. minutes. And, like, I remember listening to previews. I listened to the Voices Wrestling... Oh, no, it's a New Japan, New Japan Purocast preview of this. And they're like, if we get 12 minutes, I'll be ecstatic for this match because they're not getting it. Like, they're not going to do that. Like, they're, they, they, I know they've got six hours, but they have to time this well. Yeah. And it gives them 18 minutes. And, like, I feel that this would have been a fantastic main event tag match for... Um, like an about two shows, yeah. Yeah, if this was for an ROH, um, an ROH tag titles, great. If this was a road to Corican Hall show and it was a main event, great, fantastic yeah. match. But I'm not. I mean, the the new the Rambo was all already half an hour. I'd already watched it forty five minutes. Yeah. I'd seen the runtime. Yeah. I was like, man, just get this over with, and we can kind of get to the good stuff. They didn't get it over with. Like this was this is longer than yeah, this is longer than four matches in this show. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I think it was a possibly like a good match at the wrong time. Like the yeah. thing is, like traditionally, as we said, they've they've had the last few years they've had a four way tag match and there's been fuck all psychology and it's been nothing but like flips and cool shit. And the thing is, Which whether or, yeah, I said whether or not matches. that is your uh, your your cup of tea with regards to wrestling. I know it certainly isn't uh, Daniel's particularly, but uh, they do serve a purpose in that they, they're they there to get the crowd sort of warmed up. And, you know, not every match can be this sort of really solid main event style thing. You know, you, you have to have uh, a match that you know serves its purpose. And the opening match shouldn't necessarily be something really involved because, you know, you need something, you need to pace the show, really. Absolutely. I did think it was, uh, yeah, I agree with you about the, um, yeah, looking back when you said that, I was like, geez, it, it was one-sided, wasn't it? And I thought they were putting Rapongi 3K over very strong, because they had them that's win the belts. I, yeah, that's And I then thought. they had them win that, they had them win that, uh, that junior tag tournament that they always do in, uh, like, October, November, yeah, as yeah. the champions, which is very unusual, because they usually use that to set up the, uh, the title match at the Dome. And then the Young Bucks came out, it was like, Okay, give us a title shot. <laughs> give us a title shot, you shit. And um, where's my title shot? That's that's yeah. for KES, Davis Boy Boy Smith Jr. Oh, uh, we'll get we'll get to him. Fucking hell. But um, yeah. So it was uh, there was also like I think the early match was kind of uh, rough going a bit because I think it was Yo who took a bit of a a nasty bump sort of on his arm. Oh yeah. And it sort of it looked as though he was going to be a bit fucked for the credit to him. He did sort of recover from that uh, stinger, I guess, and. Uh, and uh, get back into it. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a good match. Like you said, I did think they were gonna uh, give Rapongi 3K a bit more, but they'll be all right because they've they've clearly got them pegged as as big stars in the future. Well, the thing is as well is I felt that uh, well, there's a big consequence to this match, but I thought well, the junior tag titles, yeah, they get talked about all over the place. Yeah, they get passed about more than joints in Matt Riddle's house. Um, <laughs> hey. They, they, they go all over the place. They're a total hot potato title. And I was like, you know, if they're giving Rapongi 3K the win here, that's at least, two, what, two, de- two defences they'll have had? 
and they've won that title, they can go on a bit of a run, even for a couple of months. Like, I mean, it doesn't need to be any, it could be till April or something like that. Yeah. March, April, something like that. And then, you know, they've established a bit where, you know, they've been the champions for a while because you only need a four or five month reign with this belt to yeah, be seen yeah. as, you know, as a good champion, as like a, a good reign. And I felt that that would have really helped them. Yeah. It's kind of like they yeah they do hop tape them a lot. It's kind of like WWE nowadays. They they seem to think that uh, with the the Raw Women's title uh, most notoriously, they seem to think that hop taping the title will sort of recapture that attitude era feel of you know anything can happen. And the freaking title changes you know, aren't what people remember about the anything can happen vibe of the attitude era. Though that yeah. came from the general aesthetic of the show and the storytelling and the mm. crazy off the wall shit. The 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 frequent title changes were an incidental part of that. And so yeah. I guess whenever, and this isn't just WWE and New Japan, but any promotion, they always, in lieu of actually putting any effort into a division, they just hot potato at the titles and think that's uh, that's going to provide some interest. And you know, it doesn't in the most in in the vast majority of cases. These titles serve purely to facilitate a title change, so that people who go to Corican shows can say they've seen a title change and go, oh well, we've seen a title change. Yeah. Um, you know, we you know we better go again because there might be another one. Might be like the IWGP title change next time or something like that. Because uh, mm. I know I know somebody who went to Japan and he went to a Corrigan show, and he went, oh, it was a great show. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I got to see a title change. The IWGP Tunnier Tag Titles changed hands. And I was like, like you've literally just went to any New Japan show and that's happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you do you have any other um points you want to make about? No, not, not really. I think we've uh, well, covered it at all. Well, uh, the yeah. other the other um thing to come out of this was uh, the young, back, uh, young Bucks publicly said that if they won the titles at Wrestle Kingdom, they were going to retire the IWGP Junior Tag Titles, which I think has happened. But don't worry, George, because if you want a title that's hot potatoed about, I've got something hey! to hold for you. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when this segue was going to happen. Yes, coming up next. <laughs> We have. Um, I'm going to need to take in, do a deep intake of breath to uh, run down all the participants for this. Do you want so, me to run? Do you want me to do it? No, no, I'll be, I'll, I'll be good. I've, uh, you know, my asthma's not that bad nowadays. So what we had was a um, gauntlet match, like the one we had last year, only with more teams for the uh, the most important titles in New Japan professional wrestling, <laughs> uh, the Never Openweight Six Man Tag Team Championship. So we had Bullet Club of Bad Luck Fale, Tanga, uh, Loa, and Tamatonga defending against the uh, team of. Suzuki Gun of Taichi Takashi Izuka and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Also Taguchi Japan of uh, Juice Robinson, Ryusuke Taguchi and Togi Mikabe brought on brought in on a sh- short term loan because you need a reserve keeper and um, <laughs> um, team team everybody's uh, everybody's the best of friends of uh, Michael Elgin, uh, Hanson and Raymond Rowe <laughs> and uh, chaos of uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Toriano and Beretta. So I think I've covered everything. There's also a lot of uh, Suzuki Gun Juniors at uh, at ringside as well. You you forgot to uh, give Izuka's proper name, which is Izuka Izuka Takashi Izuka. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely oh, absolutely incredible. How long have you been waiting to bring that one out? Literally since January the fourth. Uh, Brilliant. Um, oh, yeah, like. Are, are we are we going on record and saying that Michael Elgin and War Machine being teamed together is a total rib by Kato as actually a rib? I don't know how much um <laughs> how much uh, attention Gato uh, pays to uh, uh, Twitter beefs between his uh, Gaijin wrestlers. Um, th- I mean, for the uninitiated, the rundown was that um, 
Uh, Michael Elgin uh, seems seems to be a bit of a piece of shit, um, <laughs> judging by uh, what occurred in the last month. So we had uh, not doing due diligence on an alleged sexual assault by one of his uh, trainees, and then uh, calling the uh, the woman in question a whore when she uh, in the DMs when she uh, when she uh, called him out on this. And uh, not only that, but being uh, that I mean this being <laughs> by far his most uh, serious offence, but also. Um, going on an extended moan that uh, Jeff Cobb want, only wants to hang out with uh, War Machine rather than him. And it kind of reminds me of like, you know when uh, Toby Young wrote that uh, that uh, column uh, saying that no one turned up to his stag party? And uh, rather than actually reflecting on the fact like, gee, do you think no one turned up to my stag party because I'm a massive cunt? Instead uh, <laughs> did a column in the fucking Spectator or the Telegraph or one of these jizz rags um, calling into question the whole concept of friendship himself. So it's like, oh, Jeff Cobb only wants to hang out with War Machine. Gee, I wonder why. And also saying that um, Jeff Cobb, uh, Jeff Cobb smells bad, leading to a lot of people on Twitter just going, nah, nah, I've never met Jeff Cobb, but I bet he smells amazing. And then Jeff Cobb replying to one of them saying, I don't want to uh, be stereotypical, but there is a hint of pineapple there. <laughs> so all this has been going on, and then uh, Michael Elgin gets uh, to team with uh, War Machine. Um, I love they, it so much. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't have known because, like, War Machine are pros and what do they care? They'll be out the door to uh, full sale. Which is a shame because I think they're uh, much more of a better fit for New Japan than they are for a, um, you know, WWE. They have, you know, some monster tag teams already. They've got uh, the Authors of Pain, uh, Heavy Machinery. On the main ra- roster, you have um, the Bludgeon Brothers, Eric and Luke Bludgeon. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, 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 I'm struggling to think where War Machine will fit in. On the other hand, it does mean that our 305 Live tag division is going to be uh, gaining some steam. So there is that. This match, it wasn't, it's never much, uh, to be honest, uh, this match. Um, I uh, Yano was fun, as usual. He uh, Tomohiro Ishii <laughs> just looked really pissed off at having to be in this match at all. I held when um, Yano rolled up Isika. I actually held. It was... Oh, was it easy? Was it Isika he rolled up? Sorry, Isika, uh, Isika. I, um, I, I believe so. I want, I want to go on record and say I actually really liked Kashi Isika. I really, really like yeah. him now. He's, he's the guy uh, in the place with a bit sweet face. <laughs> Bastard, you beat me to it. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm genuinely just googling the lyrics. Everyone was good. Mate, I um, don't even need to fucking Google it. <laughs> he, he's basically Tiger Jeet Singh, isn't he? Or like Brazor Brody, or like Abdullah the Book. Like he just scares people in the crowd. He just runs through the crowds and. Yeah, I was. People. Yeah, I was explain. I was explaining to the people at the party. It's like, look, it's like Stan Hansen back in the eighties. If you get beat up by a wrestler in the crowd, like people are going to treat that as a badge of honor. And also, there's like apparently a, there's a really really small number of lawyers in Japan. <laughs> like, uh, like it it seems that people don't particularly go in for litigation particularly much. So, can you imagine a world without lawyers? Oh, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good good reference. Um, I I thought this was good. Uh, Saber was Saber was good. It's yeah. still very weird seeing him in New Japan and New Japan uh, treated as a heavyweight because he clearly weighs less than Taichi, who is in the junior division. And um, uh, I thought this was no one really got much of a chance to uh, shine. You can tell the amount of attention people were paying to this match. People, more than one person were like, um, so who are the champions? And someone actually said, oh, where, when are Los Ingobernables going to be in it? I was like, no, no, they're, they're, they've been moved up to the two-man tag scene rather than the three-man. It's a brave new world. Yeah, with this, I, you know what I wanted out of this? I mm. wanted a 2008 Diva Survivor Series match. 
you know, like, everyone <laughs> gets everyone gets rolled up in forty five seconds. It's just like this, like Pandora's box where if one, it's like the Tour de France where one one person goes down, like all nine other people go down. Like yeah, like I just wanted an absolute shit show of like eight minutes, everyone getting rolled up, an iron glove, Yano kick someone in the stones, like you know, just give me that like high impact, bang 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 bang. But no, this was interminable. I hated this match. It was like, the first match was like, uh, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Suzuki-gun versus uh, um, maybe Taguchi Japan or someone. Suzuki-gun versus uh, Raymond Rowe and um, Hansen and Michael Elgin. And that went six minutes. And then you're thinking, Jesus Christ, there's three more teams to come. Luckily, like um, the Suzuki-gun juniors got finished off in short order by the, uh, the sublime master thief Toriano, thank fuck. Yeah, Taguchi as well. Um, Taguchi wearing a Japanese national team uh, strip and a captain's armband, taking his love of Shinsuke Nakamura to new levels. <laughs> Parkhead legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I marked out for the captain's armband. I'm not gonna lie. Um, oh, great! I love that. It was so much. that was indeed the highlight of this match. Um, <laughs> nice to see Beretta getting a shiny. Got the pin for his team. Uh, he's been very good since moving to the heavyweight division because I thought it was a bit weird at first. I mean, he clearly is a. Uh, you know, he's clearly is a very talented wrestler, but I didn't really know what there was for him in the heavyweight division. But he's been gradually getting up a bit of steam. Uh, or rather, he would have if they hadn't changed the titles uh, straight back to Bullet Club on New Year's Dash. Well, I have a blurb to read to you from a New Year's Dash report from John Pollock. Uh, uh, go on, then. The, the godly John Pollock. He wrote, obviously, about, like, basically, Bad Luck Valley and the Gorillas of Destiny won the titles uh, back. And the, the closing paragraph was... History was made with a never six-man tag title change, ending the historic reign of Ishii, Beretta and Yano. People criticise that there are too many titles in New Japan, but the trade-off is moments like this that you'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is brilliant. Also, like, um, disappointed by the relative uh, lack of swearing from the Gorillas of Destiny in this match, because I don't know if you remember the uh, IWGP tag title match from last year. Oh, that was glorious. Them versus, between them and Toki Makabe, like, after every strike, they'd be like, fuck you, and then Makabe would be like, fuck you, and they'd just be... Uh, that would have been, that would provide some entertainment. It's it's, it's like that thoroughly unnecessary scene in the, the recent uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss and Dominic West film, The Square, which I saw at the Leeds Film Festival. Don't watch The Square, it's shite. <laughs> just, just a little public service uh, announcement in case anyone listening to this is into art house films. I thought I was, and then I watched The Square. So, um, <laughs> David, have you got anything uh, more you'd like to say about this match? Um, this should have been a uh, free for all, all fifteen people in at one time. And he <laughs> yes. Just fucking went mental, and there should have been like a dive to the floor from uh, Beretta, because I think he'd be the only one who could dive to the floor. Eighteen yeah. arse bumps uh, from Taguchi to everyone. <laughs> Uh, yeah. War Machine and Elgin running about, just like knocking people down. That would Yano be good. Kicking everyone in the stones. It'd have been amazing. Like you should yeah, have that's had that. The, that's the thing. Like you, yeah, you get this many people in a match. You want chaos, and I never felt this. And that, that's the thing. Like you know, much as people you know criticize PWG for like their constant high speed kickout fests that leave you thoroughly exhausted after watching a whole show of them, they can do a great six man tag. Which precisely has this dynamic that you that you're on about, like this uh, this idea of you know you know anything can happen, like ap- absolute uh, shenanigans at the wazoo, and we didn't really get that in this match. I mean, if you look at Tori Umon, yes, exactly, that, that, yes, that, that, that three on three on three on three match that we watched, that was incredible. Oh shit, yeah, that, it was um, episode ten, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that like fucking Badlock Fowley 
and um, Takashi Izuka are going to pull out the Dragon Kid moves or anything like that. But, you know, like, they, you fe- I felt that they could have easily just went in, just had an absolute shitstorm where... Because they didn't do one for the junior tag. They, they, missed, they missed that no. this year, so you might as well have done it here. But yeah. Exactly, like, a show this long, you need more variety. Um, I mean, the next one, uh, the next match on the show, um, I think... Uh, speaking of something that I don't know about you, I feel this massively over-delivered, would be the uh, special singles match between uh, Kodra Bushi and uh, Cody Rhodes. You need to give it its correct name. The Japan-USA handsome match. Oh, it is, though. Like, it is. Um, that, that's what it was billed as on the, on the Wrestle Kingdom show. The Japan-USA handsome match. I... I, I Yes, um, more than one person at the at the party I was at when I revealed this piece of information was like, Kotro Bushi's 35, fuck off. No no way, man. He's, I mean, he looks younger than me, and I know that means nothing to anybody <coughs> who, like, watches this, but I'm a, I still get a half at the football, right? So, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Time has withered your once youthful looks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, this was going to be for the ROH title, and then... Cody rather carelessly lost it to uh, the absolute boy Dalton Castle at uh, ROH Final Battle. And then Kota Ibushi did this promo where he said something along the lines of, I can't remember the exact words, and I don't know what the exact words would be because I didn't speak Japanese, and this was translated by some dodgy software, but it was something along the lines of, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure why I'm still wrestling Cody, seeing as he's I was going to get an ROH Championship match and he's lost it. Maybe I'll ask him. <laughs> I just imagine him going up when the bell rings. And I was like, you know, Cody, what's uh, what's the deal with this match? Also, um, uh, Cody, uh, I appreciated him uh, cosplaying as Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> he really did look like him. He um, looked very Aryan. <laughs> like, very he, Aryan. How many Slash Fiction has the possibility of Kota Bushi versus Dalton Castle inspired? Mate, there's two on my hard drive right now. Yeah, there, there's got to be a lot of gay fanfic out there for that. Um, I would, I would, I would imagine, I would imagine so. Actually, I got a um, bit of a tangent, but uh, everyone's aware of my love of the quiz show Only Connect, and um, so basically the idea is for the uninitiated, you have a, a series of four things, and you have to guess what connects them, and the fewer clues it takes for you to guess the connection, you get more points. And the first clue of the four for this one category was um, uh, same sex, uh, yeah, fan fiction involving a same sex relation, uh, and I was just like, um, I think of the connection slash. And then it, the second clue was something to do with HTML, and the third one was the guitarist out of Guns N' Roses. So I was like, oh, okay. So, um, and then my dad, <laughs> unfortunately, my dad was in the room at the same time. And uh, so I had to explain, okay, this is what Slash Fick is. Oh, um, God. And this is how I know. And this isn't implying uh, anything, uh, anything uh, homophobic, because I regard um, uh, Slash Fick and Het Fick and all other fanfics as equally lame. So this is not having a go at gay people. This is having a go at fanfic and it being thoroughly, me being thoroughly ashamed of knowing what that is. I'm, I'm going to get to the elephant in the room here, right? I'm going to list a couple of names to you. Tomohiro Ishii, Zack yes. Sabre Jr., Jushin Liger, Yuji Nagata, Raisuke Taguchi. None of these people had a fucking singles match at the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> yeah. Cody fucking Rhodes, though. He just swans in for his fucking third appearance of the year. And he's like, mate, I want a singles match at the Tokyo Dome. Fuck, get him in the fucking Never Gauntlet. Yeah. Not fast forward for him. I mean, what you want? Yeah, can you imagine, like, switch Cody and Farley? Imagine Bushi versus Farley. Fucking Farley. I mean, that would have been great. 
Um, or even uh, Fat Ibushi versus Ishii. Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. again. Like, all of these matches. Even Dalton Castle is still infinitely more interesting than Cody Rhodes. But, I will say... I really did quite like this match. I thought, I thought this was. was really good. I thought it was great. Now the thing is, um, and uh, yeah, like another match much later in the show, there was uh, one participant in there who you thought, okay, I think their capacity to deliver a high class match in this situation is uh, somewhat uh, dubious. But then you had them against an opponent in Kojibushi, who is, you know, obviously a, a fantastic wrestler, and um, and they put together a really good match. The thing is about Cody Rhodes, like all credit to him. In fairness to the guy for, you know, fucking off the Fed and thinking, okay, I'm just gonna strike out on my own and see what I can do freelance and uh, and see what happens. So fair play to him for that. In the same way, fair play uh, for Juice Robinson uh, for doing the same. Exactly, it's uh, you know, got it's very, very commendable. Exactly, quitting NXT um, and thinking, okay, you know, I I see there's a ceiling for me here. I'm gonna see what I can do in Japan. The difference is Juice Robinson's had some good matches in New Japan. <laughs> and Cody Rhodes, with the ac- exception of his match with Akada at the uh, New Japan USA show, which I thought was I th- I thought was good. And let's be fair, Okada probably brought a lot of the goodness in that match. Oh yeah, a- absolutely. It's like when we in that episode we said like I think Inoki's a good wrestler if he's in there with someone like uh, Jack Briscoe or Yoshiaki Fujiwara, and Daniel was like, yeah, he is a good he is good when he's in there with two of the greatest of all time. <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of how I feel about uh, Cody Rhodes in this match. He did pull his end, though. Um, no, that, that sounded wrong. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he put in a shift, uh, shall I say. Um, Kota, um, as is as is uh, often the case with him, put in arguably too much of a shift. Uh, that bump from the crossroads off the apron. Oh, now, that's, that's gnarly enough to take in the way that how most people take the crossroads, where they sort of land on their front. Kota decides, oh, not only am I going to take this... Um, this uh, move off the apron. I'm also going to land directly on the top of my head and then fly <laughs> about six feet across the floor to boot. Um, Kota, you are a madman. Please be careful. No, no, like, you know, we, we mentioned we don't want Anita to die in 2018. Ibushi's up there. It's Ibushi. Like, I really hope there's never an Ibushi Sasuke match because that um, would be like horrific. Yeah, I, I thought Cody did really well with his heel stalling. I thought yeah. he just was an absolute shit arse, and I felt that he brought something that wasn't really being brought elsewhere on the card. Uh, except yeah. maybe, obviously, there's one match. Cody was a bit more of a Western take on it. I felt he integrated the Western take into this match really well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Cody is a fantastic wrestler or anything like that, but he put in a shift. Brandy Rhodes was there as well, the first ever black woman to appear on a Tokyo Dome show. Yeah, geez, that's uh, that's true, isn't it? I, yeah. I thought I thought she played she played her part well. The little uh, promo that she did uh, coming out saying like we're, we're the real draw here. I mean, obviously like factually untrue, but um, you know a lot of the best heel promos uh, are completely delusional. Actually, I found this bit kind of puzzling because you know that bit where uh, this was great babyface stuff from Kota Ibushi because like he does yeah. this plancher to the outside and Cody sort of pulls Brandy in the way I think and then Cody's like oh no I've uh, I've uh, taken taken out a, a non-combatant. He f- feels very guilty for that in the way that the US Army don't and um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's going to get some heat. And um, the Mock the Week theme tune in there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Hello, I'm Andy Parsons. I'm completely talentless. Um, so basically, he just <laughs> walks sideways towards the microphone. Uh, so basically, what he does is he takes out Brandy by accident, and then he sort of um, 
lift, lifts her up in his arms, uh, officer in a gentleman style, and yet I did start singing and love lifts us up where we belong very loudly <laughs> as as this happened. And then Cody attacks him from behind, and then Brandy gets a um, smile on her face, and the commentator's like, oh, it was all a cunning ruse, she's all right. And I was just like... She did get, like, actually taken out by the planter. It wasn't like she was faking. She did get full-on hit by Kotobushi, so, like, she did kind of no-sell that a bit, exposing the business. Which, apart from exposing the business, I think we have to look... I think we have to commend Brandy, because she looked absolutely stunning. She looked incredible. The thing is, I, I like the matching gear with Cody. Um, I could have done without the codpiece uh, motif on his gear. <laughs> Yes. Like, um, I, d- I don't want to have to think about little Cody uh, no. <laughs> during this match. Um, although, I guess, keeping with the motif of the Japan versus America handsome battle, um, I uh, I thought this was this really, really over-delivered. It's by yeah. far the best Cody Rhodes match that I have seen uh, since he left uh, WWE, and I include the Okada one in this. I think this is... It, it made me think of a really great Brett Rest match. I yeah, felt that yeah. it, it was sort of the sort of thing you would get in, like, say, York Hall or something like that, with, like, you know, all the stooging and stuff. It's kind of got that Butlins-esque quality to it, but it's still, like, a, an ex- a really, really, really good match. Yes, but uh, un- unlike unlike in York Hall, I can actually hear the entrance music, so... Uh... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, when I went to York Hall, they played Liger scene eight times, and I heard it at least five of the times. <laughs> that was that enough for you? Was eight times enough? No, no, it wasn't. I thought I would get sick of it, and I didn't. I know about um, all, all about your all liger all the time YouTube playlist. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I thought this. I thought this was. Uh, I thought this is really good. This is really this good. Is certainly, the first uh, standout match on the show. And yeah. would we get a second standout match from the next one? The answer is absolutely fucking not. As no. the IWGP Tag Team Championships are on the line, as the Killer Elite Squad of uh, Lance Archer and uh, David Ward Smith Jr. Um, <laughs> defending the titles against um, uh, Evil and Sonata of uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, now the thing is, I remember um, sort of during the G1, and I think it was um, just after the Kenny Omega uh, Toriano match. Um, I think that made my top ten. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was great. As as it always is when those two were uh, the wonderfully. Uh, rare occasions that those two hook, uh, hook up. But, um, yeah, David Boy Smith uh, Jr. Uh, was uh, giving out on Twitter about this, basically along, along the lines of, I can't believe I'm not in the G1 and, like, stuff like this is. And and then he turns in a performance like this. Like, the Killer Elite's got, like, I know they have their role, though, and the, the story is, like, okay, Monster Gaijin Tag Team, it is literally a trope as old as Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know the Sharp yeah. Brothers, um, who just went into the uh, um, the Wrestle Observer Hall of Fame. The first ever wrestling match in the history of uh, Japanese television involved uh, a big gaijin tag team. So I understand that this is as old as the hills. I just wish they hadn't wrestled like a pair of hills as well. Like fuck, fucking hell. Oh, to say yes. nothing of Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, cosplaying as his dad, but not classic 1992 beating Bret Hart in Wembley Stadium, despite having been on a massive bender for the entire week before British Bulldog. The 2000, where's my title shot? I don't care, British Bulldog. Yeah, Insurrection Hardcore Championship. Oh, actually, no, people liked him on that day. Um, any other day in 1999 or 2000 when the British Bulldog showed up, yeah. Yeah, Rebellion 99 British Bulldog where he's coming out in jeans and a British crowd are chanting Bulldog sucks. Yeah, when he, like, oh, when he got rock bottomed into a pile of dog shit. 
yeah, that British bulldog. I mean, I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of things like that during the match because the match itself wasn't providing very uh, much mental stimulation. God, God bless Evil and Sonata because they really tried. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the problem was is that they ran the same formula as the Young Bucks for Pong yes. K match, where Killer Elite Squad just washed Evil and Sonata for a good what five ten minutes, and then by the end yeah. they're like, well, yeah. they've kind of ran over them. Um, this time, obviously, Los Angeles Nablis won, but man, it was a rough go. Yeah, like, um, like even Sonata. I mean, the, the heavyweight tag team division in New Japan has been moribund for as long as I've been watching uh, New Japan, um, and this this goes back about about five years now. Yeah, even Sonata are too good for this, really. <laughs> like, and um, well, it seems like after New Year's Dash that uh, Sonata's getting a shot at the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and I think at some point in his career he will win that belt because he's clearly someone they've got some a lot invested in i think okada is going yeah that was the, the quid pro quo he said i'll give you a title shot if myself and i think uh, goto can have a uh, a shot at the at the tag titles which i think will be really good and i wish we had more of these uh sort of super teams in uh new japan like back in you know all japan in the 90s your singles division and your tag division were the same people like often you'd have uh, Misawa and Kabashi as tag champions, or Kawada and Taue, but they're also in the main title picture. Um, it, it's kind of like, you know, tag team wrestling being its separate thing inevitably means in New Japan that you have sort of somewhat less talented uh, wrestlers in, such as Killer Elite Squad. And actually, I like Gorillas of Destiny. I've liked them this year. They started off really rough, but they've become a good team. Yeah, they kind of came into their own with the um, feud with Maccabi. Yeah, that was really Honma. good. They really came into the room with that, yeah, and then they've kind of went on, and but yeah, Calvary Elite Squad, I'm not no. a fan. Uh, I just want David Weissmith Jr. to like turn up at Butland shows as his dad. You mean like he That's did uh, at, as, like, uh, the new British Bulldog on uh, the ITV World of Sports set? I mean, I, fu- I fucking popped hard when it happened. I was like, yes, this is what you should be doing. And then he got eliminated because that's David Boy Smith Jr. in yeah. a fucking tea. Um, what, I, what I do want to note is that, um, uh, and we, we probably won't get a chance to talk about him for uh, uh, a while until next Wrestle Kingdom probably, Sonata has the best fucking leapfrog in wrestling. It is obscene. Yes. You know how they used to talk about Matt Morgan's amazing vertical leap, but that was literally all he had. Like, <laughs> Well, speaking of vertical leaps... There was some fucking vertical leap in this next match, which featured um, Minoru Suzuki versus Hiroki Goto in a hair versus hair and no seconds death match in all fucking um, the quotation marks <laughs> you can think of. Death match. This is not um, Megumi Kudo versus Combat Toyota. This is not Onita versus Terry Funk. This is not that Takeda um, BJW death match from August. This is, in no certain terms, just a bit of a scrap. Yeah, and it, really. it was a good scrap. Now, the thing is about... It was a very good scrap. Suzuki's, Suzuki's year has been kind of weird, because, like, I mean, I marked so hard when he, uh, him and Suzuki... Well, not so much when Suzuki Gun came back, because, you know, you can count the good wrestlers... You watched Noah. Yeah, you can, yeah, and you can count the actually good wrestlers in that stable on uh, on three fingers, really. Um, yeah. Now the the thing is, um, and he come back in, and they had a great angle at uh, New Year's Dash when they came in and beat down the roster, and the roster was fighting back, and then Suzuki turns up as like the final boss. That was really cool. Um, yeah. However, um, and he had that match uh, against Takada for the IWGP title, which I know divided opinion. I really liked it. Um, I really I thought, liked it as well. I thought they maybe could have put the title on him, but they didn't, and then he sort of went down to the Never Division, and he's been sort of 
running amok is the wrong the wrong word because running amok I don't think includes a succession of quite shite stipulation matches like there was that fucking uh, lumberjack match against was it Maccabi or Goto I can't remember it was, it was Goto I think Goto it was. yeah one of those things and that was that was fairly wank um so um but the thing is about Minoru Suzuki is that he's getting on and um but on his day he can pull out a fantastic uh heated psychologically sound and big time match and that's really what we uh got here Goto as well like I know he has his fans and in bursts I think he's really good but like he's inconsistent um, like, yeah, I, mean, I think he always delivers at the dome. Yeah, because last year, um, that match against Shibata, I loved it, and I, I am by no means a Hiroki Goto fan. No, no, I, no. I really don't like him at all. Um, but the year before as well, when he had he won the tag titles with Shibata. Yeah. Was that the year before, or was it the year after? Yeah, the year um, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, won that, and yeah, that was absolutely brilliant as well. Um. Yeah, he, 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 really he brings it to the dome. It's he just does. everywhere else. I don't like him. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like I said about his inconsistency. 2016 G1, perfect example. He had some very mediocre matches with uh, Okada and Tanahashi, who are not people you should be having mediocre matches with. Uh, any Anyone, no matter uh, if you're, you know, even someone as, someone as talented as Goto, certainly shouldn't be uh, having those type of matches. But then he had the, uh, and I was legitimately dreading his performance in the, uh, the final against Kenny Omega, and I wasn't particularly sold on uh, Kenny at the time. But then that yeah. match ended up being one of my—I think it was in my top five for the year. It was really good. Um, and Goto uh, bought it in in uh, in this match, um, and they kept the interference to a minimum. Uh, you had the Suzuki Gun uh, chaff uh, trying to get involved, but the thing is, if you're doing that angle where they've been interfering the whole time, okay, yes, pay it off at the dome. Have them come in and then have the faces. Um, come out and uh, and rescue their friend, and then have Goto go over. Um, he needs to get a new finisher though. Why did he get rid of the Shout and Kai? That move is great. Yeah. Um, the GTR looks pants about four times out of five. Yeah, I see. I, I'm I'm a bit a bit different from a lot of people in it. I've actually kind of enjoyed uh, Suzuki's run with the Never Title. I quite enjoy all those wacky stipulation matches just purely because they give something different. Now, they're not the best, and they are a bit samey. This is the thing, is that, yeah, I, I enjoy the, the general idea of them, but they, they do need to freshen them up. I felt that well, with this, they, they did an alright job. Not not the, you know, they, they were still a lot of the old tropes. I did like the small touch that um, when Suzuki Gun did interfere, I liked the fact that when they interfered, and Goto knocked him off the apron, and that was only interference. It didn't like Suzuki went to capitalize and get get uh, Goto hit him, so like it, it gave him no advantage whatsoever. So I like the fact that they teased them coming in, and that even and you know them interfering, it still gave Suzuki no advantage whatsoever. Yeah, that was and good. I felt that it kind of kept the the sanctity if you could say that, of the stipulation and that, yeah, they did get through, but they had no bearing on the match whatsoever, which is what the stipulation is entitled is, um, is basically meant to do. I really I, I really liked uh, this match. At the time, I was like, I enjoyed it, but on reflection over the last couple of days, there was quite a few things that I really just enjoyed about it. That drop kick, my God. Oh, like, yeah. Suzuki did an insane drop kick. Yeah, like, the Suzuki has these hidden depths, because, like, a lot of what he does is basically, uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, being a shitter. As yeah. um, uh, I remember uh, Sush Reviews, who don't particularly post much anymore, but I remember them saying, there were two Suzukis, 
Suzuki One is this sort of lazy bastard who gets by on his charisma and just kicking young lions in the face and all that. And Suzuki Two is the is the big match Suzuki, the guy who's got this real legit aura and can turn in a great performance. And we we kind of got uh we kind of got uh, a sort of combination thereof uh, in this match. And the hair versus hair stipulation I think really gave it um a lot more heat because that is a fairly time honored stipulation in women's wrestling. Uh, in uh, you think of all in Japan, you think of all of those uh, great uh, Chikis and Agayo, Dump Matsumoto, uh, hair versus hair matches. The absolute heat they would got would get, and uh, particularly uh, in uh, Japanese culture, more so than in Mexico actually, where they do these type of matches quite a lot. Um, having to shave your head is something very shameful. Um, you know, if you have if you have disgraced yourself or your you know your company or whatever in uh, in in some way. Then, uh, I mean, do you remember all those that when those Dragon Gate trainees like abused that monkey, and uh, and they had to shave their head as penitence? So it is, it is, uh, it is something that is seen as quite shameful, uh, having to shave your head. Um, yeah, because it wasn't there. Um, uh, there was a idol group in Japan, uh, quite recently. Yes, it's I remember one, seeing it's this. It's the one with like forty-eight members. <laughs> like, they're all interchangeable. No, that's not like they—they they genuinely have about forty-eight members. I can't remember the exact number, but like they're all interchangeable. And one of them, um, basically, oh, what did they do? They did, they—they they did something like a, a a scandal. I think maybe they got caught off a boy, or they had an affair, or something like something yeah. like that. Like uh, sort of like you know your usual tabloid shitty scandal. Yeah. Um, and they shaved their head as penance for it. Uh, yeah, because because of that, so I can see, yeah, that obviously it was it still has a bit of resonance in in Japan uh, as well as Mexico. It's not necessarily about people laughing at you; it's about you atoning for something in the past. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jesus, there's someone who's uh, you know in kayfabe has got a lot to atone for at Suzuki, so I guess it was uh, cathartic in that sense. People on Twitter were very divided about. Uh, who they wanted to win, not necessarily because they were fans of uh, each wrestler, but like whose hair was, must we lose? Because on one hand, you've got uh, Goto's incredible. It's basically both a mohawk and a mullet. Like yeah, it's it, basically something at Samurai Warriors. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is you know his gimmick really. And uh, but then you've got Suzuki's uh, incredible um, Matt Hardy's lawn in the final deletion barnet, um, <laughs> which basically part of his gimmick is. Yeah, I've got silly hair. You got something to say about it? <laughs> and um, uh, so, on one hand, you had the um, the uh, the catharsis of Suzuki uh, and shaving his own head as well um, in a la um, uh, was it Toshio Yamada in that famous uh, match with Minari Toyota? She ended yeah, up shaving... didn't Hayabusa do it one time as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you've you've sort of you've accepted your defeat and you've taken the consequences on board yourself. Um, You're owning it, essentially, yeah. Or as someone said at the party, it was like, where's the barber's chair? They need to bring the barber's chair out before the entrances. And like, and where is the phone box and the London taxi, goddammit? I know, and where, like, I, I always, one thing I really loved is that they, uh, in the, whenever they have hair versus hair matches, they have a barber's chair and it has all the barber accoutrements, like shaving gel and all that on it. Yeah. And like jars of combs and shit. And I'm like, that that was missing. I mean, we always talk about Wrestle Kingdom having that razzle dazzle, yeah. and having a bit a bit more to it. But I mean, I was missing the combs in this one. Oh, so was I. I mean, the 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 other thing is like uh, we we're having this discussion about uh, you know when uh, wrestlers in WWE they lose hair versus hair matches, but uh, the hair never goes back, does it? 
And uh, well, obviously, IRL, this is a way for wrestlers who are going a bit thin on top, like Kurt Angle back in 2001, to lose their hair with some dignity. Uh, they don't have to go to a Vance Hair studio with Graham Gooch and Shane Warne. Like, none of that sort of, uh, <laughs> none of that sort of thing. Um, but... Uh, um, I genuinely thought, and actually, my friend, uh, my friend Daniel used to watch wrestling with. We we genuinely thought there was a, a product called Bald Cream, which you would put on your head, and it would stop hair growing. And uh, imagine like Kurt Angle just dump, dunking his head every morning into a gigantic jar of Bald Cream, and uh, you know, I, if, mind you, if such, such a product does actually exist, it will be in Japan because they have carrot flavored yes. ice cream. What the fuck's that about? And juxtaposed with this uh, Suzuki losing his hair, uh, I do love something about a uh, a big Goto title win because he doesn't have them very often because he's uh, no. always the bridesmaid, never the bride. We we did have no. this sort of running gag uh, at the party that I was at because uh, we were talking about apparently Taguchi's parents are very rich. And yeah. uh, and I was saying, oh, apparently as well, Goto uh, is from a really wealthy family. Like he's like the heir to some big company that like his, his, his dad founded or something. But yeah, we were saying like, you can imagine uh, Go- Goto um, being told by his dad, like, you'll never inherit Goto Corp unless you finally win the <laughs> IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And then he, and then he, after the match, he comes back as as in the uh, the parable of the prodigal son, which I read in some book or other. He comes back with Minoru Suzuki's mohawk in his hand, presses his face against the gate, and his father's there on the porch, and his face is stuck, but a single tear runs down his cheek. And the family members are reconciled, and Goto does inherit Goto Corp after all. Happy ending for everyone. In indeed, so yeah, I thought this was this is a match that really overdelivered. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I really liked the the choking spot with Suzuki as well, where he basically hung Goto on the top turnbuckle. Yeah, that's really good. Like, yeah, it was really really good as well. Shout out to that. Uh, but yeah. So uh, getting a bit more towards the uh, the business end of the uh, of the show, uh, what we have now is a uh, four way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship uh, with uh, the champion uh, Marty Skull of these shores uh, defending against Hiromu Takahashi, Kushida and uh, Billy Flips himself, Will Ospreay. So um, to listen to to listen to listen some people talk, you would think that a four-way uh, singles match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship was some sort of uh, massive affront to uh, the glorious strong style Perosu, I must have I must have completely imagined the triple threat from Wrestle Kingdom Seven. Oh yeah, you totally imagined that. That that didn't happen. Yeah, I was gonna say like low key dressing up as Hitman. That that certainly isn't something that would have happened. Didn't low key lose. That certainly wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, did he agree to do a job? I don't know if he took the pin though, so that's all right. Um, yeah. So uh, this was uh, yeah something quite unlike what. Uh, <coughs> you would find on uh, Tokyo Dome shows usually. Um, yeah, what, what do we think? I'm going to have a controversial opinion here. Go for it. This is my match of the night. Yeah? I really love this. I thought this is fucking incredible. Well, considering that... so, so good. Um, I mean, that match that you really enjoyed from Rev Po last year, uh, where the uh, Liger won the uh, the uh, British Jacob at Rev Pro, this is like three of the same participants. Obviously, doesn't have the emotional import that Jushin Liger has for you. But the other three guys are the same. Yeah. That was a great match. It was effectively like the the beginning of it was modelled on that match. Matt Skull was doing exactly the same stuff he was just doing that Fatal Four Way. I mean, this is probably a personal thing, but I really like the callback to that. That like they were doing a lot of the same stuff that from before. This is this is batshit. Absolutely batshit. Like yeah, I I I I really enjoyed this. Um, Taka, Takahashi in particular, I thought was absolutely giving it some, especially that oh, yeah. um 
the sort of over-the-top rope sunset flip power one that he does, which always looks like he's gonna he's gonna cock it up. He is gonna kill a man at some point. Yeah, because he's absolutely gonna kill someone. Like the standard um, the standard sunset flip power bomb off the top rope into the ring, like the normal one. I've I've seen loads of wrestlers uh, fuck that up. Like there's a particularly bad yeah. one uh, Dean Ambrose did to John Cena one uh, Raw after Mania a few years ago. Mm. Um, and uh, so the fact you're actually doing that, you're sprinting across the fucking ring, jumping over the top, and then giving some guy a powerbomb, all the while holding onto them. That that's really good. Kushida did it later in the match and nearly powerbombed someone onto his own knees, which um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, looks Maris a bit Girl, dicier. Marty's girl. Speaking of dicey ones, um, he uh, came in full contact with the guardrail off his head when they did his sunset powerbomb. Oh, he, he did, yeah. He fucking dinked it right into the barricade and it's terrifying but it's a great move if it never happened again i'd probably be quite happy purely because it means nobody will die yeah like it's such a good move and speaking of people who i really liked in this marty's girl in this match i fucking loved him he was going for the whole like because the thing is is with this that um there were so many stories weaved in you obviously had like uh, the Kushida Takahashi rivalry. You had Skull try to defend, and basically knowing that all these three people are madmen yeah. and are just going to flip yeah. about, and he has to kind of take control of them. So he just basically became like Yano, and was like tying yeah. people to barricades. Yeah. You know, they got the first aid kit that's literally just like uh, bandages and cocaine. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I thought he was really, really good in this. Yeah, like, I've found Marty Skull quite tiresome over the last year because um, he's, I think, leaned too far into his shtick to the detriment of the quality of a lot of his matches, particularly when he's uh, tagging with the Young Bucks uh, in those, you know, the sort the sort of matches that um, uh, you know, OTT or Rev Pro yeah. will do a six-man where it's Marty Skrull uh, and the Young Bucks against three flippy guys and think that's an acceptable main event when it's basically just like 25 to 35 minutes of shtick and, uh, and, yeah. and precious little else. So, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, I found him quite tiresome over the last year for uh, that reason, because I feel like he, he doesn't particularly bring, you know, in terms of his uh, of his wrestling and his technical stuff, what I know he can. But in this in this match, he really did. Because I feel that if he had just done the same, because I, I have seen uh, Matt or Skull in a multi-man where he has, because I've seen him in that uh, multi-man with uh, Matt Riddle and Will hmm. Osprey. Oh, yeah, uh, in Motherwell. WCPW. Yeah, yeah, Motherwell. Um, and it, it was really good in that, and it wasn't as villainy as... If anything, I would say Osprey was more sticky that day than uh, yeah. uh, Skrull was. But, I mean, I felt that in this, if he had just done his normal, like, you know, normal wrestling, like, moves and stuff like that, I felt like he wouldn't have added to the story as much as him just being this absolute fucking rogue um, who's just out to win by nefarious means. I thought it, it was really, really good. And obviously, I'm a big fan of Yano, so I'm always kind of yeah. pop for stuff like that. But Yeah, that's the thing. I can't blame any wrestler, I must make clear, for leaning more into their, their persona. Uh, because uh, Toriano has the best job in New Japan. He takes a few bumps, hits people in the dick, and like he'll still be walking around fine when he's 60. Like... Oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He can like have a match and then go and like work a shift at his pub afterwards. Like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and Osprey actually was quite dialed back in this match. Uh, for me, I know he did like things like springboard shooting star press to the outside. Um, 
which which is but he was relatively restrained, which is good because like have you seen all the suction cupping on his back in this match? He looks like a fucking ladybird. Yes, well exactly. I loved the the moonsault off the rigging though. I thought that was mental. That was shades of uh, progress chapter fifteen off of that uh, uh, balcony, or yeah, like uh, that one Kota Ibushi did at Budokan. And now he can never go back. Kota Ibushi never change. Speaking of Budokan, actually, did you see that's where they're doing the G one final uh, this year? Yes, which inevitably means that Kota Bushi's not going to be in the G1. <laughs> uh, but Tiger Mass W will be. He, he did a dive that he wasn't meant to do. He got his ass out at Sumo Hall. Kota Bushi's quest to get himself banned from every major arena in Japan continues apace. Fairly surprised that Osprey pulled out the win, although I guess maybe I shouldn't have been because he just lost the title to Skurley and had a particularly big reign. And they'd given him the big win against uh, Kushida, who he had never beaten one-on-one before. In yeah. uh, you know maybe five or six attempts, uh, so maybe if they've got a lot invested in Osprey, giving him that big win, it uh, it begs the question: Why did they hot shot the title to Skull in the in the first place? But this is what we said about the New Japan Junior Division, uh, the tag division previously. I thought Takahashi was going to win because they'd done this angle where he kept um, coming out to try and challenge the champion and getting cold cocked, and then he came out wearing fucking like ice hockey gear or whatever it was, like a yeah. protective mask and padding and padding and, uh, and stuff like that um so i thought they were going to give him the win and they've kind of stepped off of his push um uh compared to what i thought it was going to be this yeah, year yeah after they, they kind of they kind of fucked him up with the best of super juniors like realistically um they gave kishida that redemption run and obviously he had to go and win the title afterwards when to be honest you'd have thought it would have been you you kind of had the idea you think takashi will go undefeated and then the person who beats him in the final, you know, they'll face them for the title, yeah. and then that yeah. that will be that. But yeah, they, and then ever since then he's kind of cooled off. He's, I mean, I think the most meaningful thing he's had all year, like since the best of Super Junior Super Juniors, was those matches with Taka and Tai Chi. That that rivalry. Yeah. That that is pretty much it. I thought we were gonna say the most meaningful thing he's had this year is Davil. Daryl, yeah. Well, that, actually, yeah, I'm really yeah. sad that like he didn't go over, so like Daryl could come out with the tiny little IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and they could run to each other like Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really really enjoyed this. I loved the fact that that old trope it doesn't get used enough, but that's kind of what makes it special. The stealing of finishers because everyone yes. was stealing everyone's finishers in this match, and it was done really really well, especially Scarlet Osprey. I felt it was they did really well in showing that yeah there's four of us but there, there's beef between us two and they mm. kind of went for each other and I thought they did really really well in individual sequences I also loved the spot where Skull tried to snap both their fingers and then they turned it on him and snapped his I yeah. thought that was Skull, Skull and Osprey have tremendous chemistry I, I think they their really match do. from Rev Pro a couple of uh, Januarys ago uh, is the best match I've ever seen live I also loved how um, Skull because like usually when he does the finger snap spot he gets the crowd to shush Presum- um, this time presumably he thought there's 35,000 people here <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not going to get this uh, so he just he just did it anyway um, I yeah I also felt that um, it suffered less from the WWE fatal four way syndrome of you know, two guys are in the ring and two guys are selling on the outside. There was a lot of like quite rapid fire spots where all four of them were involved. And if someone was out mm. for a extended period of time, it was because they had um, they had had themselves handcuffed to the rope to the uh, to the barricade. 
And so yeah. there was a reason for it. And had then uh, had and then Marty Skrull got all cocky and got the ball cream out from under the uh, under the ring and tried to use that <laughs> for nefarious means. Um, I, I didn't think this was the best match on the show, like you did, but I did think it was really good. And I think a a, a fitting capper to a year in which all four of these guys have been featured very highly in the uh, in the junior heavyweight division in the company. One of my hopes for 2018 is that they start. I mean, we've been seeing this in the tag division for what five, six years. Yes. I hope they start doing matches not for the title, like programs not for the title. So yeah, like in this great. case, if, if Takahashi was fighting Osprey, you'd have Kushida against Skrull. It's like you know the opener on like either like a a sort of secondary main event on a Korokin show or an opener on a um you know opener on like a pay per view or something like that. I feel that. There is never a singles match that's not for the title or in the yeah. tournament. In the same way that um, uh, WWE, uh, they never used to have uh, un- until the uh, yeah the the w- women's revolution or whatever the fuck they're calling it this week. Um, they they would only ever have one women's match on a pay per view. Now they they have matches that aren't for the title. Progress are getting a bit better at that. Uh, although mm. not not much like um, I don't know, Progress's Twitter account can be quite cunty, but I remember someone asking why is there no women's match on the show? It's probably Sarah, let's be honest. And um, <laughs> someone asking why is there no women's match on the show? And it was like, well, Tony Storm's our champion, she's in Japan. And it was like, you could do a women's match not for the title. <laughs> do, you, do, do you ever think of that? Like cra- crazy, crazy, uh, crazy logic. I know. Um, but yeah, I know. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that. That's something that I would like to see more of because they have some incredible wrestlers in the junior division really do. who they do have a ceiling in terms of where they're going to be on the card. It's not like in the 90s where the juniors were really, really featured very prominently. And sometimes you would have matches between the heavyweight and the junior heavyweight championships uh, champions, which were quite even like that Hashimoto Liger match from 94. Yeah, there's a lot of offense. And actually, New Japan used to do that at the uh, the anniversary show. Like, I remember this great Akala Devitt match um, in maybe 2014, something like that, mm. when Devitt was the junior champion. So it might be it might be nice if they maybe brought that back or just did something to get the juniors over a bit more because they've got such talent in that division. Uh, but I think matches like this will do something towards uh, towards that because like this was really, really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, coming up next, we've got the three matches to go. And uh, what we have here is... Um... No intermission, though. I'd just like to mention six hours, 45 minutes. So zero intermission. There was the... Three minutes of here are all the new Japan dates coming up, but there was no intermission. Mate, mate, we, we had to give 18 minutes to the opener. There's no time for intermission. This is a tight show. So what we had uh, next was a bit of a weird one. This is the uh, first Wrestle Kingdom, I could be wrong on this, but since the title was established, in which the Intercontinental Championship has not been at least the semi-main, it was um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who will not go for uh, bicep surgery, uh, no matter how much you try <laughs> and make him, defending the title against uh, Switchblade JY. This was a weird one. Because um, it's not very often that you get a wrestler come back from excursion, Okada accepted, and immediately be slotted into a main event level program, or at least close to main event in this case. I had this with uh, Jay White. I wasn't too keen on this particularly. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be because I know Tanahashi's hurting at the moment, but he always brings it out for the big shows. Tanahashi can have a four star match with pretty much anyone in his sleep, even if he is banged up. And he's probably spent like, the majority of the last decade or so uh, nursing uh, some injury or the other. And um, and actually, Jay White was someone I really rated when he was a young lion uh, doing the sort of... In the same way that I actually think Rapongi 3K enjoyed them more when they were doing sort of matches wrestled with quite a basic young lion style psychology than the sort mm. of junior heavyweight high flying they're doing at the moment. 
Uh, but I really enjoyed Jay White when he was wrestling David Finlay and Tanaka and Kamatsu. And that's a great crop of young lions. I don't think he shat the bed in this match like some people thought. But it wasn't it wasn't much more than average. No. Yeah, this is where I started doing lots of phone things. <laughs> you know, where like your phone is there and you just start looking at it. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of checked out for this. Tanahashi... He, I I think he's I think he's done as a main eventer. I don't think he can pull it out anymore. I I feel that over the last couple of months, his matches have went down in terms of quality. He did an alright G one, but I I I don't know. I don't I don't see him even if he went for the bicep surgery. Not that he's going to. <laughs> no, uh, but, no. Like he is an absolute mad bastard. Even if he went for surgery and came back. I think the rose is off the bloom in that he's now, like, because he had a, a run of, what, seven, eight years where, like, yeah. every major singles match he had was great yeah, to amazing. Like, you know, it was always, he was always the top peak. Uh, you know, like, he was the guy that the match, yeah. you know, match quality was, you know, his thing. He could do it, as you said, could pull a four-star match out in his sleep. He's been he's being demoted. Obviously, he is no longer the ace, even though they call him the ace of the universe. Probably fourth in the pecking order now. Is that fair to say? What behind uh, Okada, Omega, and Naito? Nitro. Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, he's fourth in the pecking order now. I don't feel he's going to be challenging for the. You'll you'll get the odd IWGP shot. He won't win yeah. it. I don't think he is a transitional champion now. He's not focused in the main event plans anymore. And he's getting old. He's... I think if he goes away and has sugar, he'll come back. He'll have good matches, absolutely. He will have good matches, but he's not the same Tanahashi anymore. No, and to be fair, he's in his 40s now. Like, he... Yeah. They, and, you know... He's a dad. He's yeah. Dadahashi, that's what he is. Exactly. And they're not reliant on him to carry the company anymore because they've built up Akada into the new ace over the period of yeah. a number of years, but it has taken. They've got Naito, and they've got Omega. And, yeah. you know, they've got guys who are of a sort of lower level. They could slot into the title scene. Uh, you've got mm. uh, Sonata and Evil. Evil, who has had a uh, IWGP title shot, and Sonata, who is due to have one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you've, you're not, yeah, you don't have to rely on going back to Akala versus Tanahashi every every single uh, Tokyo Dome, which is, uh, which, which, which is good. That's the thing. I, I feel that certainly... Like, as long as Okada holds a belt, Tanahashi isn't getting a title shot. No. I feel that Naito... I feel it's outplayed, to be honest, if they were to go back to Naito-Tanahashi. You can maybe see it as a one-show like a one show thing. If you know what I mean? Like, a sort of challenger in the middle between a programme. Yeah. But he's not going to be figured out in the main plans. I, I, I feel in terms of like match quality, yeah. it's been coming yeah. for a while. I think this is the, the, the beginning of the end. He'll be there for ages. He won't... You know, he's yeah. not going away. Yeah. He will sort of after a while, mo- go into that Nagata mold, you know, yeah. and like all the multi-mans, the odd title shot, stuff like that, but nothing major. Jay White's not bad. Like he's he's not bad, but like the thing is, the pop, the thing, one of the things that hurt this match really, and I saw a lot of people doing previews of this, but yeah, people who were who I respect a lot and who have a lot of credibility, who were uh, convinced that Jay White was going to win. I was convinced as well. I was absolutely convinced he was going to win as well. But at the set, at, but I mean, as much as we, uh, like, well, I, I, I didn't. But as much as people like you and like um, other people I saw doing previews thought he was going to win, the crowd clearly didn't. Yeah, and near, near to die. I didn't. 
didn't, I, I didn't think he deserved to win. I didn't think he showed anything that showed that he would have won. But I thought they were going to give him it anyway, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. If, they, if they're trying, well, they're clearly trying to make a new star out of him. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah. this was probably the wrong way in which to do it because the crowd didn't buy him as a threat. And I'm also not sure about the gimmick. Maybe he'll grow into it. Like when Kenny Omega turned up as the cleaner, I was like, the fuck's this? The problem is he's got this chubby little baby face and like, uh, <laughs> he doesn't quite... He's too nice. Yeah, he's, he's too nice. nice. Also, like, um, I don't want to just go all Kevin Dunn, but like... You can't really sound that menacing in a Kiwi accent. It's like, have you seen, <laughs> um, have you seen uh, Thor Ragnarok? Um, no, I don't think so. Because there's a character in that voiced by the director Taika Waititi of um, What We Do in the Shadows fame and uh, Hunt for the World of yeah, People. Yeah. And he he voices this character who's this big, tough, like rock monster thing. And apparently, mm-hmm. the character is based on uh, New Zealand bouncers who are these huge, terrifying people. But whenever you talk to them, they're just like, hey, man. It's <laughs> like these really soft-spoken people. That's kind of the impression I get from Jay White. The angle they did on New Year's Dash was interesting because uh, Omega offered him a spot in Bullet Club and he teased accepting and then laid him out. I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. Like, Jay White, the loose cannon. Like, he doesn't play by anyone's rules, man. Not even his own. No, he's joining Chaos. Yeah. I'm really not sure about that. No, it's... Um, the, thing, the thing is, like, if there's one thing New Japan doesn't need more of its its heel stables. Yeah. Because well, we've got Suzuki Gun, we've got Los Ingobernables, and uh, Bullet Club as well. We don't the need... Interminable Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, we don't need White Power or whatever the fuck they'd, uh, they'd call the... Uh, they call the stable. Right for Whites. Uh, we don't need any of... We don't need any of that. Eddie Clapton fan club. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Layla! We don't know what... Uh, so I don't really know where they're going to go with him, but it's very clear that... I think if I was a betting man, them attaching him to Chaos is really sort of trying to make up for the fact that the match didn't get over in the way they thought it would. Yeah. Um, I think they should persist with him because he clearly is very talented, but I don't think he yeah. turned in an amazing performance in that match. Not that the match was ever going to be something stellar with a, a you know, fairly injured Tanahashi. Uh, I thought yeah. this was... I'm not saying I thought this was as, as bad as the fucking uh, tag title match or the uh, the six-man scramble, but it was certainly far below the level of, well, every Tanahashi Wrestle Kingdom match that I can remember. I mean, remember the one against Naito last year? That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't really think much to it. It, it uh, That was your intermission, this match. <laughs> Pretty much, eh? Yeah, the next one. Uh, probably the most talked-about match, certainly amongst Western fans uh, of the show. Yeah, this is a very weird one. Um, so, uh, yeah, Kenny Omega defending the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship in a no-disqualification match against uh, Chris Jericho. Fucking hell. Um, To say that wrestling in 2017 got weird is an understatement. But I don't think anything could have... I remember actually... um, I was texting you about this. Um, I was watching the show. Or were you round up my my flat or something? I was at yours when they they did the reveal and we were both just flabbergasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like... Wait, Chris Chris Jericho is wrestling for New Japan. Wow, 2017 man or 2018 as it is as it is now. Uh, now they've had the actual match. Um, I think making it no disqualification is a was a good move because oh, yeah, absolutely. Chris Jericho is a 47 year old man, and uh, can he be doing a really physically intense New Japan style main event match? At his age, certainly one as long as the match that uh, they ended up having. He probably could, but it might not have been as good as what we got. I think he did very well as the sort of uh, shit-eating WWE-style heel. Not that the Mm. psychology in this match, 
I saw some people describe it as WWE style. I really don't think it was. I felt it was just certainly a more Western match, and I felt that that was a positive. Yes, absolutely. Again, provided something different. Yeah, it's, it's the free ring circus um, argument that we mentioned numerous times on here. I don't want everything to be... I mean, at this point, to be full disclosure, as I said, I was pretty done by now. Everything was just so long. I, I was crying out for something different to keep, grab my attention. Uh, this was really long, but... It was something so completely different. It kind of brought me back into it. I re- I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought this was shockingly great. Like, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting a great deal, even if after it was made noticeable location. Now, the thing is about Jericho, and the thing that always gets said about him, he does reinvent himself. He did have his uh, original sort of delusional heel persona in uh, WCW, and then he had you know a number of characters in WWE. Um, sort of slimy Eric Bischoff kiss-ass in 2005-2008. He came back as this sort of Nick Bockwinkle-style, suit-wearing, um, intelligent heel. And then, of course, he had the uh, the Angliab with uh, Kevin Owens, which we raved about on our uh, WrestleMania episode. The thing is, he Chris Jericho is a great wrestling personality, but at the same time, his ring work hasn't particularly lived up to that level as you would expect because he's he's in his he's in his mid, mid to late 40s now but the match against uh, Kevin Owens at WrestleMania last year I think we said was a good raw match but not WrestleMania yeah, yeah. style and the match with AJ Styles he had had at the I think the previous year's WrestleMania um wasn't it certainly wasn't the best of the matches they had and again I don't think it lived up to its potential and yeah. Uh, yeah, Joko is somebody who's had some average matches with some very talented wrestlers, but this was not one of them. I had faith in Kenny Omega to carry him through it. What I did not expect was just how much Jericho himself would contribute to it. I mean, it, it was just an absolute barn burner. And, like, I feel that... I, I don't know about how it's went over with the Japanese audience. Um, one thing I did find, sort of being a bit negative here about it, is that I remember in the build-up, um, when I was listening to previews and that, they were like, this is going to be the best atmosphere in a Tokyo Dome ever. It's going to be like a rock concert. Um, everyone's going to be rocking, you know, chanting for Arcada or for Omega or Jericho. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere and like, no- like nothing we've seen before. And don't get me wrong, the fans are into it. But I think maybe because I kind of had that expectation, I was a bit like... I didn't feel the fans were as big as they would immediately get afterwards, but yeah, exactly. They got into it. I mean, yeah, the the reactions they got for the angles on the on the previous shows when Jericho came in and bloodied up Omega, um, like yeah. the, the the crowd were pretty molten for that. Yeah, not so much for this match. I think the I think one of the reasons is that uh, I mean Jericho was never a big star in New Japan in uh, in in the nineties. He was like a or in war really. He was just he was a guy in the junior heavyweight division. Uh, he was never yeah. like he was never a main guy, even in even in that division. I mean, what what you did have, and actually talking about how it went down with Japanese fans, I did see a poll that they t- took after the show, in which they were asked to name the best match, and this actually got forty eight percent of the votes. Wow. Um, now I don't know whether a lot of that has to do with uh, people being uh, pissed at the result of the of the of the main event. Yeah. Yeah, they may have. Uh, like, I know certainly someone we know. I'm not going to. Uh, not gonna uh, name names, Alex, but he's a um, he is a huge <laughs> Naito mark, and uh, the the um, finish of the main event really like soured the match and the show for him. So I can understand maybe that people were annoyed about that, but it did seem like this match did go down very well with the Japanese crowd in terms of its quality. It certainly went down uh, well with me. Um, I, it was very strange to see like you know the fucking lion salt and the um, and the Codebreaker and the Walter Joker, all of which are moves that people in New Japan do, 
but it's very weird to see like it's Chris Jericho doing these moves in a, a Japanese context like he's working them into what is a very psychologically a very different style of match than even to yeah. the the more I guess indie-fied WWE style if you can call it that I think the main criticism I would have as this match is I've seen I've seen this uh, expressed elsewhere uh, the the rope break rules were kind of inconsistently applied like there were some points at which he'd get the walls on and Omega would uh, crawl and he had to pretty much crawl out of the ring to break it because there were no rope breaks but then there were other times in which the ref would point out a rope break and then they'd just release the hold but like that, I don't know why you would do that in kayfabe like yeah just just and there have been promotions which have like I mean this wasn't the best um the best example of it but um uh in nxt they had uh ruby Riot versus sonia deville in a no rope breaks match mm-hmm. and uh, they actually got reasonably creative with uh, some of the stuff in that i'm not saying it was a particularly good match they could have maybe done a bit more with that i felt that was quite inconsistently applied they also did count outs as well at one point and um i know there's always been a bit of a distinction between like no disqualification matches and like no dq matches and things like that and that sometimes it's the, the the rule is that there is no disqualification in that set, but everything else applies. Whereas that with other matches, generally a no disqualification match is just the same as like a street fight or a Belfast brawl or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Where there's no countouts, and he had a countout here, and I was a bit, hmm, you know, a bit strange. About that. Well, I guess I guess a countout is different to a disqualification. Like you're not, I guess you are breaking a rule. Um, mm. So yeah, it's I don't know it's uh, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of very a weird strange. One. It didn't detract from the match a huge amount for me. I did really enjoy, and I'm possibly the only person in the world who enjoyed this. But I enjoyed the callback to Kenny's dome matches for the junior title against Taguchi and Kushida with the spray. Because oh, remember yes. when he was the junior champion, he used to just use that spray all the fucking time. Yeah, He's not yeah, really yeah. used it very often since then. It's kind of died down a bit. But he brought it out to counter the walls of Jericho, and I, I I loved it. I thought it was a great little callback. That yeah, no, I I uh, I like I liked it. Yeah, I I thought I thought that was good. It's like he's uh sort of so desperate to win, he's gone back to uh, one of the tricks yeah. that he uh, used to do. Um, and I love the idea that he always keeps a spray underneath the uh, yeah, the just... ring at every show, just in case he needs to pull it out. I enjoyed uh, Chris Jericho taking a very very safe table bump. Yes. But look, if I if I if it was a knowing about uh, Japanese tables what I do I would have taken it quite gingerly as well it was clearly like they'd actually had a pre-gimmicked table however someone who didn't take a safe table bump Kenny Omega holy fuck that that and through the commentators table Don Callis's iPhone got wrecked <laughs> it did Who? how is he going to text people about violence turning him on now <laughs> oh man oh, that, that fucking sent on <laughs> that was insane. The commentary table was mental. I really liked this. It was a lot of smoke and mirrors. It was basically what I want out of Shane McMahon matches. Yeah, unlike Cody Rhodes' entrance theme, it wasn't only smoke and mirrors. Whoa, only smoke and mirrors. <laughs> no, mate, mate, you got to put Goldust theme over the top of it as well. That's how you really uh, bring oh, out the... I hate, uh... I hate all those tag team mashup themes. They're the fucking worst. Uh, the best one was the, uh, speaking of Jericho, the, uh, the one he had with the big show. Well, it's the big, 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 big break the walls down. What are you doing? I'm glad Jim Johnson got fired. <laughs> just for that. That is clash treatery. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought this was uh, an amazing match. Um, I 
I don't know. I put it alongside the main event, really, in terms of quality. I enjoyed it more than the main event. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll I mean, the, there's a lot of stuff we can get into with the main event, actually. Um, but, um, um, yeah, I, I yeah, Chris Jericho, like, having a, you know, four and three-quarter star, no Miss Hour, no token. Daniel's not here, so I can I can do star ratings. It's fine. He's still having his yeah. piss. He's still having his piss. Um, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, at the age of 47... Uh, against Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome. Like, uh, fair fucks to him. Um, he has done the the spirit of Chris Benoit proud. You saw <laughs> you saw that thing he retweeted. I trust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe not the smartest. Uh, maybe not no. the smartest thing. I think it's time. I think it's Chico time. Um, so uh, moving on to the uh, the main event. Uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on the line. The the true ace, uh, Kazuchika Okada, with Gato, obviously, um, mm. d- defending the title against the G1 Climax winner, uh, Los Incobernables leader, Tetsuya Naito. First thing to mention, Gato, slap the mat quieter. It's so distracting. I don't know if he was near a mic, but it was like a fucking thunderclap every time he did it. Yeah, and he was just sh- was he shouting in English all the time. Is that right? Yeah. Um, if someone shouting English instructions throughout the entire match. Yeah, I think he was he was like, God damn it, I'm gonna get this match over with the Yanks. I'm gonna speak a little bit of English for them. See, so yeah, see so yeah, the this this will this will this will keep keep the little SOBs quiet. <laughs> All the wrestling fans in America are SOBs. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is that at the party I was at, we got uh, takeaway pizza. I have one with uh, with uh, seven different types of meat on it, which is a glorious thing indeed. Extra blue cheese and halloumi. Sarah had Sarah had two thirds of hers, and uh, I was like, are you, "Are you full?" And she was like, "No, but what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna save it for later in the show." Uh, and then, right as this main event started, she pulled out the pizza box and had the last two slices. And I was just thinking, "You magnificent bastard! You have played this exactly right because I really want that fucking pizza. It's like quarter past midnight. We've still got an incredibly long match to go. Um, God damn you! Well played." That's why we're together. She's got good pizza-related uh, tactics. I feel this is where the Twitter abuse is going to come. To be honest. Okay. I didn't. Re- I didn't really like this match. Really? Okay. It was all right, but I, I didn't really like it. Do you think I you, have? I was going to say, do you numerous... think you might enjoy it a bit more if you weren't as if you weren't as tired, perhaps? Well, that is one factor. However, I do have numerous uh, reasons why I liked it, why I didn't like it. Okay. First of all, is the length, right? Six hours in. Yeah. It was about yeah. quarter past twelve for me. I wanted to go to my bed. My wife wanted to go to bed, but she couldn't. We were watching this <laughs> fucking. Thing. Uh, I just wanted it to be over at this point. Um, as well as that, this ran the New Japan main event playbook step by step. Yes. It was, and I, this is what I hate about New Japan main events. I've stopped watching them now. The first fifteen twenty minutes meant nothing. It meant nothing at all to me. It was just 15 minutes of them. And I was sitting watching this, right? And I was I was there, and I was like... I really want... I want to understand... With Naito, I'm not a big fan of Naito at all. He's had some good matches. I don't think he has as good chemistry with Okada as he does with Omega or Tanahashi. No, I don't think um, he does either. His chemistry wasn't as good. But there was numerous spots during this match, that were just basically, just WWE matches. So, I mean, there was so much stalling at the start. Like, a lot of it, like him dropping to the floor, going about, or, you know, 
just pissing about. There was no urgency for the first 15 minutes of this match because they know they were going 35 minutes, so they didn't bother with any urgency for 15 minutes. And I didn't feel that Naito did anything in that 15 minutes that you didn't get from, say, um, like a, like a, an Orton or a Nakamura in WWE at the moment. And people aren't very high on them at the moment. I didn't feel Naito did anything. The only thing he had was the character. This is what a few people like is that he has this um, LIJ character mm. where you know, yeah. he just has the Tranquilo and all that and the eye gesture and all that. And that's fine. People like that. It's a great little um, thing, you know, spitting at people. It's a great heel move and that. In ring, Naito, I don't think he's as good as Omega, Okada, Tanahashi. I think Ishii mm. is better than him. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Even uh, Zack Sabre uh, Jr., I'd even, I'd even, I prefer Yano over him. I know that's not nece- that's necessarily on a different thing. I feel Yano brings more ingenuity to his matches than Naito does because Naito rests on this. He seems to be still trapped in his junior heavyweight moveset. When he's doing all these weird destinal spinning tornado DDT things that realistically a heavyweight wrestler shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I'm not hugely sold on the finisher. Like I know it's quite cool, but, like but not for like, like a main event heavyweight. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, don't, I, don't I marked it the Stardust Press because he doesn't do it very much anymore. Oh, yeah, like it's an impressive move, and I really enjoyed it, and I marked for it. And don't get me wrong, the last 10 minutes of this with the finishing stretch was mental, and it was really, really good, and I really enjoyed it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that New Japan main events are always booked like this. They're always booked 15 minutes of pissing about, then a 10-minute finishing stretch at the end really gets you into it. And I feel that if they didn't have that 10-minute finishing stretch, people would hate the matches. And that's where like things like you know the Tanahashi J. White, things like that, they don't have that finishing stretch, so people downgrade them. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. I don't necessarily think that... I mean, I, I genuinely think the juniors, I much enjoy the juniors a lot better. I feel that they are a lot better at pacing a match and working it a lot better. Same with what they never uh, match. Maybe not necessarily Suzuki, but I feel that, like, certainly Ishii and stuff like that, when the Ishii-Shibata matches, I felt were a lot, lot better than this just because they were worked in a different way. This this didn't bring anything to me that I couldn't get from any other New Japan main event. Yeah, no. I think that is the main crit- criticism I would make of it. It didn't feel functionally different to, yeah, any other Ricarda title defence, like you say. This could have been Sakura Genesis. And, like, to be honest, I would say, like, I've really enjoyed a a lot of Akara's matches. So, like, for example, the Omega ones, I enjoyed them. Um, The Suzuki one, I really enjoyed that. The Shibata one, I really enjoyed that. He he does have really, really amazing matches. Just the problem is, is that Okada brings a lot to the table. Mm. It's more about him being able to work around his opponent and work within their style. And, like, for example, the Shibata match, and with that spot with the Rainmaker where he no-sells the Rainmaker. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, things like that, where, like, Shibata showed this hard man, he wasn't going down, nothing was taking him down, stuff like that. And it was a great story, and it was a wonderful match. Naito didn't bring anything over Okada's contribution that I felt elevated it to that really great match. And I do, I do know, I do know what you mean. I mean, I, I liked it more than you did. I actually feel the yeah. op- the opposite way about Naito is that I think he has had some really good matches while not sort of letting his character uh, overwhelm that. But I think he's he's he was better at that when he first got the gimmick. He wasn't doing as much of his junior offense. He was doing a lot more kicks and stomps yeah, and things yeah. like that while still weaving them into. Like a, a good match, I thought. I, I thought this was really good. I don't think it was anywhere near on the level of um, 
the main event from last year. No one's given this six no. stars. Put it, no, put it, no, put no, it no, I don't, I don't We're not going to be so. tweeting at Tesco about this. Uh, no, um, no, no, no. Because, I was going to say, the Omega match, that gave us something that made it feel like a step up from your usual Akala title defence in that yeah. it was absolute balls-out wackiness to the point where when they did the rematch, people were like, this probably will be a 60-minute draw. Yeah. You know, because like they, they've really sent each other up that level. And I don't feel like this particularly did. Absolutely. I, I don't feel that way. Now, don't get me wrong. The series second that they uh, put up the graphic for the match, yeah. we had the crowd. In that moment, I was like, Naito needs to win. This is his moment. It's been like this is a perfectly written story in terms of a build. Yes. This is an incredible story because it was four years uh, ago. Naito was in Wrestle Kingdom for the IWGP title, and he wasn't made the main event. Yeah. And yeah. it was this great redemption story where Naito turned on the fans because they turned on him, and then this big arc over four years where the fans kind of came round to him. And he he still was this evil bastard. Yeah. And um, Okada had been on this amazing run. He tied the record for most days on January the 4th. Yeah. So it was a yeah. perfectly written story. And Naito was going to stop Okada from breaking the record. He would tie it. And it was just the most perfect story ever for Naito to win. Yeah. And he didn't. I and I do agree. I, th- I thought... I th- yeah, so go on. I feel that, like, obviously, this is what they did with Okada. This is what they're going to do with Omega. I feel it's going to be... You're going to have, at some point, where Naito is probably going... Naito is probably going to sit out in the main event next year. I feel that you'll get Okada winning the G1 and Omega winning the title off Naito. And you'll get Okada and Omega to finish that off. Okada will regain. And then the next year, Naito will come back again and he will win it finally because it always usually comes in threes with this but I I don't necessarily feel that in a year or two Naito's going to be any more over than he is now because no, people were genuinely so. in tears at this result people left like straight away they were in tears they were distraught there was far more support for Naito than Okada yeah I don't think like you needed to do any more to establish a card of his ace because you did that last year. He's been champion for 18 months, which is uh, now by a significant number of days the longest individual IWGP title reign ever. Um, however, um, yeah, and I don't think that um, I don't like a lot of people have said. Oh well, you know, Naito could beat Okada next year. They've done the whole thing that they did with the card at Wrestle Kingdom Nine, but that was about establishing a card as the ace. And like really gluing him in there. I don't think you needed to do the same story with Naito because Naito's not going to be the ace. He's like the the number one B, really. Yeah, he is the rock to the Austin. Yeah, exactly. And um, who who's Akada going to face? Who's he going to face? He's not faced before. Tanahashi done. Omega done. You need to hold that off. He can't just do that in fucking you know King of Pro Wrestling or something yeah. like that. Suzuki's been done. Naito, like I mean, what's the point in him winning it? on like a, a sumo hall show what, yeah. when you could have won it in the dome um, you're getting to your evils and your sonatas evil's already been done Who who's left I'd, I'd like to say Zack Sabre Jr it's never happening no um, no maybe Ishii but he's in chaos are they going to do that same with Goto like you know they're in chaos like you know what can you realistically do with him the thing is I really enjoyed the match I don't think the 
fact that Okada won sold the match for me simply because, uh, leaving aside the angle, uh, it was consistent with the internal logic of the match itself that Okada would win. So would a, a Naito win would have been as well. But it was different to, for example, do you remember um, Brock Lesnar's uh, return match to WWE Extreme Rules 2012? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for similar reasons, you know, a, a Lesnar win would have been a good uh, business decision. Because he's just in, why are you having him lose his first uh, his first match back in the same reason, you know, the time was right to pull the trigger on Naito. However, what really made this an affront was that Cena beating Brock Lesnar was not earned by the, the structure of the match because Lesnar had beaten him from pillar to post and then Cena had like yeah. hit him with a chain, F viewed him on a steel stairs and they put over Bork so strong that you think, what, that's going to take him down? It was the classic John Cena 101, I'm going to get beat up for 15 minutes and then make my comeback and win. It was very unsatisfying. Whereas I thought yeah. that um, a card winning, while it may not have been the right result business-wise, was consistent with the logic of the match. So that's why mm. the um, the result didn't affect how I saw the quality of it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair enough. I don't want to be one of these, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a white guy talking about a Japanese wrestling product. I'm not, I am fully aware I'm not their target audience and don't have the same cultural understanding, nor I can definitively say they should have done this. But yeah. it, it, it just felt like it had been so perfectly built and then they just, on a swivel, they went for something else. And when you've, you've had Jake Uno win, I thought Jay White was going to beat Tanahashi. Now we have Tanahashi still, you know, rat, mummified and bandaged. <laughs> like, he needs to go away, like, honestly, and just get surgery. And Rapongi losing, just, it was it was a stream of bad booking decisions. It kind of ended with Naito. And, I mean, I, I love Okada's reign. I think he's, he's, like, one of the best champions. Oh, yeah, I'm a bastard for really, I'm a bastard for really long title reigns. Kabashi oh, with yeah. the GXC title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's approaching that. I feel yeah. like his reign is approaching that. It's just a case of if anyone's going to beat it, I don't think anyone beating him will have as much impact as it would have here. No, that is that is uh, that is fair enough. Um, Unless he's going to next year, if he's going a full year with the title, and then losing it to Omega, fair enough. I would love that but, to be honest. That would be great. I, I I like the match much more than you. However, I didn't think it was a five star match. And mm. I wouldn't put it on the level anywhere near as Okada's matches with Kenny Omega or uh, Naito's matches with him. Or even probably Naito's matches with uh, Tanahashi. Or Okada's either. Yeah. Yeah, what would you say about the show overall? See, in the days after, I felt I was going to absolutely murder this show. Like, absolutely rip shreds for it. Because I was so miserable by the end. Yeah. Because like, it was yeah. so long. On balance, the thing is, is that it's like WrestleMania. WrestleMania is usually bollocks now because it's so long. Yeah. But I still enjoy yeah. WrestleMania. It's kind yeah. of that anticipation yeah. of what's coming. Yeah, I mean, like, I spent the whole day in work just waiting, you know, like, just trying to get through work so that I could go home and watch Wrestle Kingdom, and I was so excited. And like, that sort of thing, you can never really go against that. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's always fun. But I had, a, I think I was a lot more down on it than a lot of other people. The thing is, I don't think it was as good as uh, the previous year's Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, absolutely not. Or I the, think that's a, a... Yeah, or the one before that, or the one before that. I think it was probably better than eight. No. But uh, the thing mm. is, a a subpar show for a Wrestle Kingdom is still a very good wrestling show. And considering there's so much cack out there, like fucking WWE Great Balls of Fire, you know, there's so many shitty throwaway 
uh, pay-per-views that WWE put out. Progress is quite stale at the moment. There's a lot of sort of so-so wrestling out there that I think it's it's sometimes easy to take New Japan for granted. Uh, yeah, I think, see if this is a four-hour show, I'd have loved it. If that opening match was like eight or ten minutes, Gauntlet was ten minutes, you know, you kind of squeezed a couple of minutes out of each thing. Yeah. I think if you if you'd done that, I think this would have been a much much better yeah. show. But I I can't go over the length. The longest match, the short sorry, the shortest match on this show was fourteen minutes, and that should yeah. never happen. When you find yourself crying out for the quality of pacing of the uh, couple of Tokyo Dome shows that Noah did in the mid two two thousands, when those come across as perfectly paced by comparison, then we've got a problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's the whole thing of, you know, wrestling is not your E-Fed in 2006. It's Where is Salman Hushim <laughs> Yes, it's not meant to be wall-to-wall ROH Brian Danielson main events. You know, you need a bit of pacing. You yeah. need to. You need ebbs and flows. This didn't have ebbs and flows. Yeah. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and also like watching it with mates because they're like, uh, they're a lovely, lovely bunch, and we're all planning to watch mm. the uh, Royal Rumble together, doing Stato's famous Royal Rumble sweepstake. Um, so that that would be good. Yeah, watching it with friends is um is good, but at the same time, we watch Survivor Series with the same group. Uh, watched the, that with Harvey and Cassie, and we had a lot of fun. But the show wasn't very good, and the uh, the main event in particular was a load of cack. You will soon be able to. In fact, by the time this uh, goes out, it may already be up. A uh, a review of the uh, Survivor Series main event for I maintain the double foot stomp is silly dot com's uh, matches that define twenty seventeen. Um, so that was a bad show, but I had fun watching it. Whereas this was a good show that was enhanced by the company. I think that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So, yeah, well, um, we hope you enjoyed this uh, brief foray into current wrestling. Our next episode, we will be, as they say, back on our bullshit with um, episode 14 of the uh, quote-unquote Puro Puro podcast timeline proper, um, which will be part two of our excursion into the wonderful world of Pride Fighting Championship. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, now it'll be time to do our usual plugs. You can find us on uh, our shell of a Facebook page, uh, by searching for the uh, Puro Puro Podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter, at Puro Podcast, and uh, we contribute stuff to the uh, very wonderful Pro Wrestling website, I maintain the double foot stomp is silly.com. You can find our episodes on the uh, Pro Wrestling Only Place to Be Nation network when uh, Daniel remembers to remind them that we exist. And um, is there anything else I've missed out? Um, I'm sure there was something else you're meant to plug, because we're meant to plug it for like episodes after episodes, and I can't remember what it is. Oh shit! Um, um, yeah, thank you, thank you for thank you for listening. Uh, I've been uh, George Thompson with uh, David Forrest and the sadly um, I assume still pissing uh, Daniel in absentia. Uh, we have been the Poor Poor Podcast, and as Craig Charles might say, sayonara.
Don't wait until it's too late. Right, I really need to go now. Oh, shit, 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 shit.